on the fence of the pest, Goking out at the cons, renaissance fest. Watch anime chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. <laughs> Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary. And add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. Listen up, fanboy. It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast Special Edition. I've got Derek McCaw here who's had a little bit of an adventure. That's right. Uh, this is the 2012 car cast, as I call it, uh, where post-Comic-Con I spend a few days in Los Angeles and always get the chance to sit down with Car D'Angelo, the owner of Earth 2 Comics. Oh, good. Car, car cast, because I was afraid you were going to talk about people at Radiator Springs. We are. That's a totally different thing. That's next week. Uh, but I, I won't record it with my children. Uh, so, yeah, I took a vacation and talked to Car, and then I'll take a vacation next week. But we have a lot of stuff coming up as well. Uh, podcasts that will fill, fill in the gaps before we can all gather again as the Fanboy Planeteers to uh, do our regular podcast. We care about our listeners. We do. We know that they need us to fall asleep. And Right, and we are recording... That's Lon. We are recording uh, this introduction from the Brett Cave, one of several undisclosed locations across the country. And what I discovered is that actually Carr now has his own undisclosed location uh, near Earth 2, and so that's where we recorded from. Excellent. Annex. Uh, Does he have as many toys as I have? Um... Yeah, he because, has because it's, that's where he's storing all he the stuff. He has cooler with. toys because he has cooler friends. <laughs> kind of. Sorry, man. Uh, <laughs> so, I try. I'm, I'm, so we'll get more information throughout the podcast. We'll like where you can man. go to Earth 2. And uh, so, yes, here it is. The Saturday after Comic-Con. Have you recovered, Rick? Because I have not. I have one physical injury that actually happened before Comic-Con that was aggravated before. Okay. And then I hurt my wrist at Comic-Con, too. Alrighty, but so I'm recovering. That's slowly. what happens. We are so busy writing articles. That's we, we should got. be all recovered by next year. This time, by, okay, fantastic. <laughs> so we're 2013. So without further ado, let uh, Car and I talk about the convention, and then we also talk about the Marvel movie announcements and comic book sales and what comics uh, are to look forward to in the next year. So I hope that can't wait. Can we listen to this now? Let's. Okay. There we are. Oh, this is good. No, no, this is just now we're starting to collect the nerdist, which is like my new thing. You know, it's like in the middle of a conversation. Oh, awesome. No, I, I, I'm enjoying that podcast. Uh, so, uh, this is Derek Mattel, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and I'm sitting down with my annual, this is the 2012 edition of the CarCast. And <laughs> we're sitting with Cardi Angelo at the new undisclosed location. We're big on undisclosed locations right now, but... <laughs> The Earth 2 Annex. If I told you where it was, I'd have to tell you. But one thing is, no train tracks nearby. I really appreciate that. Just yeah. the soft worrying of a fan. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there's ambient noise. There's, yeah, there's no store music. Um, we just moved into a new, um, yeah, we used to have just like a storage unit, up, you know, standard type of storage unit. And one of the things, in order to serve you better mm-hmm. in the Los Angeles area, we've moved all our uh, you know, back stock and overstock of comics into uh, a, a new location that's sort of part office, part warehouse, but it's made everything much more accessible. Yeah. So we've just been able to, uh, instead of just stockpiling old comics, you know, when we've been buying collections and things, we 
just can be more efficient about sorting stuff out. Because um, every, you know, mm-hmm. e- even those, those people bring in, like, long boxes of, you know, you know, you know, here's all my long boxes, and it's all stuff from the 80s, 90s. Well, you know, if you, if you take the time to go through it, you find out, oh, well, you've got a cool run of, you know, this six-issue miniseries or whatever, mm-hmm. and... Lords of the Ultra Realm? You get a lot of Lords of the Ultra Realm? Lord, a lot of Lords of the Ultra Realm, Amethyst. We're swimming in amethyst, and it's coming well, back. Well, that's coming back, so we're going to talk about that that's, a little later. That's what I'm saying, and that's what we've been able to do. <laughs> when we read about something, we run it, we go, hey, we uh, have I think I have a title for the podcast now, Swimming in Amethyst. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Anyway, so it, 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 it is an undisclosed location, but uh, you know, we know where we are. But we know where we are, but what I want to say is, I don't think I ever have you do this, is, is you know, it, it, is, hey, you are the owner of Earth 2 Comics, in Sherman Oaks and in Northridge, and give the address. And I don't think I ever na- you know address check it so people listen and they might come down. And okay, there you go. Well, Earth Two Comics Sherman Oaks is one five zero one seven Ventura Boulevard, right off the four hundred five. It uh, is very convenient. It is very convenient, and so we pick up a lot of people on their way to and fro San Diego, mm-hmm. uh, coming from up north and yonder. And in Northridge, uh, we're at 8967 Reseda Boulevard, which is just south of Nordoff and right near um, Cal State, uh, not Cal State, uh, uh, it's Tucson. So it California is Cal State, State University, University of Northridge. Northridge. So it is Cal State Northridge. It is still Cal State. Okay. They've all changed to be, yes, they have Tucson, and, you know, Tucson sounds so happy. It is. Uh, I've heard it's good school. It is. It's a very good school. There's a, um, there's a great professor up there. I'll give him a plug. Charles Hatfield, who is uh, who's a literature professor, but he also teaches a course each semester involving comics and graphic novels um, and hosts special events, like uh, recently he had the Brothers Hernandez mm. up there. Uh, and he also wrote a book about um, Jack Kirby. Oh, okay. So he's, you know, so yes, they're, they're very comics-friendly school. So well, got to be a good school. <laughs> and that is, many people that have done reason me yeah. up. And then you've got a fantastic comic book store right off campus, you know, or close yeah, exactly. by. So yes, and that would be Earth too. So, <laughs> I was wondering. In case we've rambled off that, <laughs> which we sometimes do. Uh, so well, this is uh, the Wednesday after Comic Con. We survived. We slept a couple of days, uh, and so let's just start off with talking about that. Uh, your con. This is the first time I've conversed with anybody about it. So. About my con? About your con, about, about the convention for, you know. Yeah, we, we, uh, we saw each other. What, what happens usually, I think this has happened the past few years, is we'll see, you and I will sort of see each other at the beginning, yeah. and they're not really throughout. So this really is a good way to kind of go, hey, here's yeah. what I did. Um, it was, I think, was the most fun I had in a long time at the show. I, right. I, I, felt, I felt a few different things. I felt uh, there was less. Less things I felt I had to do, and just I could spend more time doing things I wanted to do. I did get in for preview night, and I hadn't been in for a preview night in a long time, okay. and I and I forgot how like kind of like fun and slow and I mean you know you've also got people running around grabbing you know almost running you over with their shield super healer carriers. Yeah, <laughs> my God, those were you. <laughs> but aside but they were healer carriers. I mean yeah. to be fair. Well, was, well, actually, the complaint was they were not the scale. <laughs> Like that the figures are actually bigger, you know, the, the figures to be on scale, whether there should have been a bigger heel carrier. But the... <laughs> we had the problem solving that some figures years ago. Yeah. So, yeah. But it, it was nice to sort of, it was that easy way. You know, it's nice to go in for an hour and then be told you have to leave, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it really, you know, can, can, can get on get on you after that. And um, it was, 
you know, you know, retail, a lot of retailers were there, and there was a lot of excitement there. Uh, I just, you know, felt people really made the effort to come. I felt it was more, I don't know that it was more comic booky than I felt it was in the past, but, but I felt there wasn't a dominant thing that overshadowed so much. I would agree with that. I that that you felt like, oh, all everything was talking about is Twilight or this or that. I mean, and I was kind of blissfully unaware of a lot of those things going on. I, I felt like Comic Con was diffused. Uh, that good word. Thank you. Uh, that, that was that that was that sensation of I was not hearing a lot of oh you have to see this even. Even when, like, I, I uh, put a Twitter feed, on, or a Twitter reader on my phone so I could pick up what people were tweeting, and it was still vague. Like, even when the Man of Steel uh, panel happened and they showed footage from Man of Steel and people said, said that was cool, and apparently people were crying at the Hobbit, um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, this is the beauty of it, but nothing felt really dominating or... Um, Surprising, I guess. Like you knew it was going to, you know, maybe it's just because we've been going so long that it's like I can call any surprise they're going to say. Right. right. When you got the Iron Man, which we'll talk about later, the Iron Man three, the Marvel movie announcement. Every single one of those, I, I had pegged was going to happen, you know, and so didn't get to see it, but didn't care right. <laughs> because boom, you go home and online. So, uh, yeah. Well, maybe, maybe the information age is kind of caught up with the con so much that. You get the information so quickly, you don't have to mm-hmm. be, you don't have to sit for an hour in a panel that you waited three hours for, because yeah. if you just turn on your phone, you're going to get that list of what the, the, the five new Marvel movies are anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, and, and also, I don't know if they released the Superman footage, but in some version or another, the, that footage will be, you know, uh, available. Will be, it was in the trailers that come out with Dark yeah. this week. So, right. You know, yeah, exactly. You sort of feel like, well, okay, it was part of that party, but... I waited four days. Oh well, you're, we you're, used to do that. Yeah, but you're but the window the window for getting that additional satisfaction is so is so quick that I think some of that that that's muted. I mean, although it does seem the TV show panels are the things that that everybody you know is just you know dying that's for. A lot of things got promoted to Hall H that were TV. Right. We did like last year. We noticed that. You know, it's kind of funny. I was noticing this kind of the trending down. True Blood down to Ballroom 20, as people are talking about True Blood sort of as it lost it, but Game of Thrones, Hall 8, and Community, what was... Community was also Ballroom 20. Ah, but Community was Ballroom 20, while Big Bang Theory was simultaneously uh, in Hall 8. And so it was like, just like actual television, <laughs> you had to choose which one of those two it's, it's, you would about Thursday night. Except I got a DVR, my friend, so I don't have to choose. I watch it. doesn't matter. Now it's just coming back on Fridays. So, well, you know, but the thing is, is you know, we can talk about that when we get to like, TV. Is Friday just a good geek night because everybody's DVRing it anyway? When I walked by, I think Community was Friday morning. I think that all those things were Friday morning. When I walked by Room 20 on Friday morning at about early on, like 10 a.m. or whatever the first panel was, they were making an announcement. If you're at this place in the line, you're not getting into the first panel here today. You're not getting into the second. You, If you stay here, maybe you'll get into the fourth one here today. And they're not even, like, telling people what they I mean, I guess people know what they are. Yeah. But even if you're just... I guess that's also to discourage people who are trying to get into hour two to squat for hour three or, mm-hmm. you know, or hour five or whatever. Right, right. So it's like if you're not even going to get in till hour four, and you're really hoping for hour three, maybe they'll just, you know, just hoping to go, okay, I'll just shrug and leave. Um, 
You know, and, and, one, and there's a lot of talk about that. A lot of the people I know who really love to go to the panels are very disappointed that there's not a system in place for some either kind of ticket distribution well, about, or... About or three months ago, I texted you. We, or maybe three months ago. Maybe a month ago, I, yeah. I exaggerate. We were talking about getting... Um, we just, uh, you know, I just got my press badges. Right. That was from a retailer. And I texted you and said, because I attended the opening of um, California Adventure, the Cars Land, and I was standing in line there and I thought, if Disney ran <laughs> Comic-Con, there would be there would be complaints, but no one would dare. Uh, it, <laughs> but it would be organized. I mean, you'd, you'd understand the system. Right. And, and, and exactly, there, there wouldn't be much gaming of it. Um, although, I don't know, did you go to the D23 Expo last year to see if they really, truly had run that better? But, uh, and it's clearing rooms. I mean, you know, on the simplest level, even if it's not tickets, it's clearing rooms the answer. I mean, I'll compare it to comic book retailing. Because mm-hmm. um, one of the, you know, policies we've had to deal with, uh, especially as there's been sort of a renewed speculation for certain books, especially with, with Johnson always, you know, hyping, mm-hmm. you know, various image titles. Oh, it's sold out of diamonds. So yeah. when you, you know. And we have people who come in and, you want to pick up, you know, you know, five copies of Saga Number One, and and I'll go. Well, my goal isn't simply to sell every copy of Saga Number One. My my goal is really to create the largest number of Saga readers I can. So therefore, selling you five, sir, doesn't help my goal. So therefore, I'm going to limit you to one. Um, if, you know, if we're talking about first print, um, you know, because maybe I'm not marking it up at the eBay price because I'm at, like I say, my goal is to have as many people as possible come into my store every month to buy Saga and then they're asking what else should I buy and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, or yada, yada. What do we say now? I, I don't care. Whatever you want to do, man. Uh, play it old school. But similarly, I would apply that to the con and say, I would like to see, I mean, not that it's up to me, but I, I think sweeping the room would be acceptable in the spirit of trying to satisfy as many con-goers as possible. Um, Because it really does seem, you know, I mean, I guess guess there's these theoretical fans who love every show and wants to be in room 20 all day long, or Hall H all day long, or whatever, and that is presumably, you know, feasible, but at the same time, does that one person's rights still outweigh mm-hmm. the rights of the thousands of people who who are willing to wait, but, you know, to at least just to see one of the panels, and maybe so people should go, okay, you, you've seen a panel, you can now go to another room, or go to, you know, but you, you, know, you, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Right. And I, I'm not sure I fully understand where that... Um, that policy was birthed, you know, like what, you know, if it was just an old, you know, convention saw, so. I have this vague, I may be wrong, but I think the first couple of years that I went to the con, uh, which of course is, you know, you walk on con floor and you hear this in every line of people talking about the first couple of years we went to the con. When it was different in my day, <laughs> when we went, and it was half the size and I think that, and I don't think it was even Hall 8. I don't think Hall 8 had, had been open oh, yeah. for uh, Yeah, I think Barn 20 did. I think we were yeah. in Barn 20. And it seems to me they did do sweeping. I could be wrong, but it's, uh, but my recollection is that we left, or maybe I was just naive and went, okay, my panel's over. I can't stay. i got to get back in line for the next one because this one is there. 
but I've been done that way many times. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. The other thing, I was in a press conference from Morgan Spurlock about his documentary about Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. And he, Did you see it? I've not seen the documentary. Oh, it was very good. Is it? Okay, so I've been looking, you know, I'm looking to, to see it. Um, but he threw out the suggestion that Comic-Con has been involved in something like the TED Talk, or needs to where you have an off-site, somebody could pay a lesser amount of money to watch a closed-circuit uh, broadcast of, okay. of these panels. Well, don't they have something... I, I saw something listed on the agenda, which was at night... At night, they do replay. They do a replay. But but the replay cuts out the footage. Oh, because they don't want people... Because right. they, 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 they probably have less security for... Right, for panel questions and so forth, so... Um, so I think if they actually broadcast and allowed that, you know, it's right. going to be everyone fee, and then some people can, go can uh, watch it on their computers at home. But then you're you're right there. There's people who probably capture that footage, and that's, uh, that's probably the concern with that. Yeah, or it would just go black during. You know, I mean, it, it could. I mean, in the room, it could go black during. Yeah. Even the closed circuits could go black during the footage. Yeah. Um, if that's there, if you're. I mean, anyway. But we're yeah. not going to solve it here, Dan. We're not. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Dan Glesman, not a listener. <laughs> so, it's okay. Although the other thing uh, about uh, about Comic-Con this year was that there's a lot outside the convention center, too. And oh, yeah. speaking of Glesman, I read an, uh, an interview with him, uh, I think it was on Comic Resources, where it was, it was circumspect, and I'm not sure who he was talking about, but says some of these off-site events he felt were kind of like directly competing with Comic-Con in a way that, like, they had the same guests when we were doing something. I know Nerd HQ held their own Doctor Who panel with the same oh. people, like, and a charge money went to charity. Uh, so, you know, I can't object to that. I'm sure a decent charity got, you know, right, right. the beneficiary of that. But it did seem weird, like, again, this was pulling on people's time and focus. And then Extra had, uh, you know, the actual the show Extra, had a stage out behind the convention center, and it was like they were holding their own mini panels out there too. Um, you know, I saw uh, Ellen Page at one point. Um, the Bacon Brothers played Saturday night, and uh, behind the Batmobile, I like the music. Uh, <laughs> but and a couple of people from The Voice were were over the opening act, so I had to be walking by and heard the the, the guys. I don't know who that was. But, um, you know, they had that stage there. In addition to the convention stuff being over the Hilton and uh, what else is out there and all, you know. Just so you're talking not just even about, like, sort of the promotional type of stuff they had, like, with the, um, like the Frankenweenie house. There was, and, uh, which was fun. Uh, yeah. Was that, a pay, that wasn't a pay thing. No, no, you want to. We don't HGTV uh, yeah. sponsored that as a pet cemetery set out in the middle right. of, the, of the park, and uh, it was cute. Yeah. Fun. They got a pin at the end. Um, wow. Which, hey, for Disney fans, uh, <laughs> I don't know what's going for on eBay. Just saying, I have one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not just the offsite display stuff. It was that there were there was almost say counter programming, which I've seen uh, Trickster. You know, I thought that was sort of like slam dance, the comic yeah. Sundance, and that's something. But more of that was happening. I don't know if. Extra had coordinated with, they must have with the convention center at least, but... Well, Extra's probably not, I mean, and isn't charging, I mean, because that's something that they're getting because, I mean, what it's about, from my angle for those things, is it's 
the producers of the content trying to sort of also control their their message mm-hmm. in a secondary way. So if BBC America has another Doctor Who uh, panel, it's so, you know, again, it's, you know, obviously they did the charity thing, but also it's for them to create content that they more control that isn't, you know, that isn't stamped SDC, you know, I mean, you know, that's one thing that's certainly grown over, the, and smartly for the convention, but, you know, the the logos, you know, everywhere, so, you know, mm-hmm. so every piece of footage, but if they want to create some footage that, that they can use also that isn't just promoting SDCC, um, I'm sure that's partially why they want to do, you know, off-site stuff. I, would, I don't like the idea of calling it competition because... Really, this is supposed. To, this is a nonprofit endeavor. Anyway, there's obviously a lot of money, time, effort, etc. Um, you know, it, you know. But the the idea is the the money's supposed to go be going back into the show and into the sort of the production of, of of the shows. And so to sort of say, I mean, it still brings people to San Diego and the convention. I mean, there's only so many tickets they can sell. They, right. they sell out every year. So I don't think that the, you know the convention. Uh, you know staff has, you know, any claim to say, well, we might sell less tickets. No, you're not no, going to sell no, less tickets. We're going to sell the maximum amount of tickets. Do you think we're going to expand out a day? There's another thing that uh, Spurlock threw out there, that Comic-Con might expand a day. So that we had, when I started going, again, back in the day, it yeah. was, uh, Wednesday was not preview night. It was just open Thursday. Then you had a preview night. Is Comic-Con needs to be Wednesday through Sunday now with a Tuesday preview night. Is that it? to get bigger? I don't know. I, does it, you know, that, that's like the... Widening the freeways thing. Does it really work? Don't just more cars show up. <laughs> <LA driver. laughs> you know, they add another lane and you're still sitting in traffic. So, it, you know, it'll only, it'll allow more people to come. But the problem then also becomes the, the hotels. I mean, the, the secondary part of, hey, we're going to do the tickets differently, so we're going to sell fewer four-day passes and make it more one-day things and have more day visitors. I mean, mm-hmm. first of all, a lot of people I ran into had like well I've got Wednesday Friday or I've got Thursday Saturday and Sunday or Thursday Friday and Sunday and I couldn't get Saturday or something like that mm-hmm. so all those people those people are still four day people who just didn't show up on Saturday so right. they couldn't get in and there's enough off sites that you could spend a day just wandering gas lamps and you things could, yeah you could spend a day saying I'm going to do the Walking Dead thing you know that day or what have you did you do the Walking Dead I, I did not I heard people were all I, I, heard, I heard people almost got killed not by zombies but because it was, they're not fit for it, and I'm not fit for it, and I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Which so. was my problem. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm glad to be proven wrong so far that the, that the only, sadly, the only death was Twilight-related and not Walking Dead-related. Because yeah. I was convinced that there was going to be, like, somebody was just going to take that Walking Dead thing way too seriously. And they were very strict with the weapons, too. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, don't bring a weapon in. Yeah. No club, nothing. Think of blood yeah. someone or I mean, but, you know. Don't bring any of the weapons we've been showing you on the last four issues of Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, and I was supposed to get a report from somebody who watched the thing. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know, but I, it was disturbing enough to get caught in the middle of a zombie walk uh, yeah, yeah. down in the gas lamp on, on Friday night. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, there was enough off-site. You could, you could do that. So, you know, I, I Right, well, and, but I'm saying, but, and then the hotel rooms, again, the more, even if, whatever the limit of tickets is, if the number of tickets, though, is broken down to few, to more days so more people can come, then the problem you're creating is more hotel problems. 
because there are no hotels. There are no, no hotels. And like I say, even if someone's only got a two-day ticket, they're still going to stay for the four or five days. It's not right. like, it's not like, oh, I've only got a Friday. I mean, someone who has just a Friday ticket is coming from out of town. They're still going to need a room Thursday night and a room Friday night. You know, so the, the mass of rooms mm-hmm. is going to become, I don't know. Well, I've never tried this, so maybe you, you might know better than I is, like, if I knew... <laughs> Buying a camper? I say, hey, that's about <laughs> No, I, yeah, because you strike me as an outdoorsman. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you can see this, but your car is wearing a, you know, flannel shirt and has a big beard and there's one of those woolen caps. Uh, it's, uh, with the ear flaps. With the ear flaps. And the feet skin. Yeah, you, you look kind of like a little Mackenzie brother. Um, okay. Uh, but... That, it, that uh, if I, I'm so out of it, I don't even know. They must have announced the dates for next year. I don't know what they are. But if I knew, would I be able to get the hotel right now? Because I know I will I think 90% that, chance I'll be returning. That's a good question. I will... Um, <laughs> Susan took the train down. So I had to come down a day early. So Susan took the train down and was... Uh, a in talented Susan. Susan Avalone. Avalone. My life. Yes. It's our so first... Uh, She's on the list somewhere. Uh, she'll be there. It's the first acknowledgement of her in the podcast. Good. Okay. And the lovely and talented Susan Avalone took the train and takes the uh, the celebrity car uh, <laughs> down. Um, you know, there's like a, they have a business class thing, so it just lets you like you know you have a little more baggage room and there's like a free snack thing. You know, I mean it's you know it's just, but but. It's I would love to cause more emotional baggage, right? For more emotional baggage, exactly. Good one. Uh, um, you're quick. That's okay. And, and um, so there was a couple of celebrities chatting it up, and, you know, one of them said, well, every year what I do is on my way out, when I'm checking out, I make my room reservation for next year. Now, knowing who this person is, it's also probably a money is no object question because either right. we can afford it, even if there's charge, even if it winds up being a four hundred dollar a night rate or something, because mm-hmm. you may not be getting the convention rate, uh, or you know it, it's going to be charged to one of his one of the many um, employers of his who would want him there mm-hmm. uh, to promote their sure. stuff anyway. So you know, if you get to that point, right? You know, so so I, I, I think it is possible. I mean, I remember. You know, speaking of the old man memories, I remember when you could get your ticket, you know, get your registration for next year at the at the show. And I don't think you can do that anymore. Um, was, no, you know, I, don't, I don't think they did that this year. I, I mean, like whether you were pro or whatever, you could literally just, out out just go, just go. Oh, okay, you know, uh, you know. Well, this is sort of like my, my you know, talking about like how I got into college. They say the first time I went to Comic Con to get a press. 2000, I think, and this is how fast yeah. it has changed. Is uh, I was writing for Daily Radar, Family uh, Planet was just not even wasn't even thinking about it, right. and I had my editor's business card. I didn't have any of my own. <laughs> I walked off right. the more the first Thursday right. and said, "Yeah, I got nothing, but you could call this guy." Oh, come on in! All right, right. and yeah. I got my press badge. Yeah, and. No way. No. <laughs> right. no, I, I, I had friends who would, you know, uh, you know, people in in, uh, in the movie business. By the way, I did earn that, though. I did cover <laughs> that. Uh, I worked very hard that year. Uh, but don't, you know, hey, come on. Uh, <laughs> I had a friend one year who just brought a article from Variety that had just been in, like, the, you know, he had been in Variety the last week for, you know, a script that was sold of his. So he just brought, you know, he brought that to show for his professional badge. That's not like, bad. Okay. Yeah, that's not bad. You're right. You know, yeah. what, what you're, you're, you're true. Yeah, you know, he had his, I think he had his, you know, 
guild card and whatever, but now it's like you have to prove you're a professional two years out. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. There's a lot of websites, a lot of coverage, at least, where, you know, we're, we're set out completely this year. Well, you know, it, 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 it's, it's tough. I mean, and... and you know, I don't want, I don't want to get to the nasty cards and letters, kids. But honestly, we don't give out your address for just such a reason. There you go. I'm, yeah, I'm all so hard to find. Um, <laughs> Wait, we already. We already <laughs> get get Dang it! Okay, I think you're even. But not my zip code. No. Ah, <laughs> no postcard. If only there was devices that would allow you to look at. Oh, wait. Yeah. But I, and because New York does it, and I guess Chicago does it. I mean, there is registration fees for professionals and press, etc. And I'm not against that because I don't think it should necessarily be, I'm not sure I fully understand the, the, the freaky nature. I mean, if you're providing programming, I mean, if you're, you know, if you're there because you're at an NBC show and they're putting you on a panel, yeah, you shouldn't have to pay. That's a, right. that's someone, that's a comp right. Right. for a service that you're providing to the show. But if you're just because, I mean, again, and I see it in, especially being in L.A., you see it in Hollywood, and I was one of these guys, I never understood why the people who can afford it more than anybody, who are the studio executives and the producers and the agents, you know, why they ha- they get the status of, 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 a, of a freebie. You know, when it's, a, when it's a trade show, when for them it's a trade show that would be professionally, that would be deductible or reimbursable by their, uh, by, by their employers. So that's one of the things that I never, you know, and I know that, yeah, was, but, I, but I understand Hollywood is always worth it. The higher up somebody is, the less they actually have to pay yeah. for things they can well afford to. But I mean, but it's, but it's all, but it's all the levels. And like I, like I said, I understand. You know, comic book professionals. I think, and I think the unfortunate thing is, comic book professionals don't always get the status at Comic Con they deserve. But I mean, I think, I think if you're a working comic book professional, you know, um, you should, you should be, um, you know. I mean, sure, that's a top. You know, you you know, you ink uh, Ghost Rider every month. You're in. You know, maybe you know, um, and you know, are they publishing Ghost Rider every month? I don't know. As I was trying to <laughs> not like you know uh, suggest that there was somebody I was pointing to that was like shut out. Okay, yes. But then the funny thing is that happens again with the Hollywood stuff. This is just one of the other stories I heard. Is because a lot of the panels now, like for the TV shows, yeah. they're not like the, the, the writers you know, talking about it. Yeah. You know, a, they bring out all the cast, because it's, right. it's more a photo op than anything. Oh, yes. I mean, you know, and and this, the actors, God bless them, but they're really not the ones to talk about like what's coming up on the show. No, like, I, know, but I get tons of emails afterwards from the, yes, from the promotional company saying, who's supposed to this? I was like, you know, this is the thing, it's like, I get, I get, would you run these photos from the party afterwards? Like, you know, I would have gladly gone to that party and taken photos. So they right. to totally control that image as well. Right. It's like, I feel like, Thomas Thomas is starting yeah. to really divide out like that. But there were some free parties that were very cool. Yeah. But there are a lot of the real exclusive ones too that are like, yeah. Well, and since a lot of the guys who write for these, and gals who write for these different shows are, you know, are fans and geeks and mm-hmm. themselves, they want to go and they want to support their show. But I was hearing stories of, of writing staff who could not get into the panel for the their show. Because there aren't seats set aside necessarily for them. But there should be. But there should be. Yeah. I yeah. mean, if you're going to have, you know, and again, and if you are, you know, but it's like, oh, sorry, we don't have room. Who do you have room, you know, you know, for? Well, and they used to have, like, even, and it's another one, they used to have press pens. You know, we, like... Oh, yeah, like... Uh, like you off to the side, so you could take the photos, you could be there, you could get in front of the photo, and yeah, yeah. no. It's all... Every man... Every man for himself. And, and, you know, and that's what happens, is, is the guy that, the guy that I have that usually 
goes in and waits in line and stays there all day. Right. Did not go this year, so. Well, I think these are the, these are the observations. You know, I mean, I think we probably you know had, had for a few years. Again, not going to solve anything, but it, but overall though, I didn't feel those issues as much. Yeah. I mean, I think generally things seem things seem to you know move smoothly. There didn't seem to be no, major log jams. Again, the biggest problem becomes on the floor in those movies when they start bringing the cast and stuff to the sales floor. Yeah. And the exhibit floor. I didn't floor. experience that, but I hear Marvel had some jams. But Marvel had some, Mar- but Marvel had a great booth. I'll say Marvel had a great booth. Oh, yeah. And, 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 uh, and, you know, and Warner Brothers, I don't know if it's Warner Brothers or G4, but they, was like, they, they have like this tower and like the, they have a lounge where the staff, you know, the casts are hanging out and, you know, the guys from Jubilee will come out and wave and they're like, ah! Yeah, yeah, although it wasn't it wasn't as imposing this year as yeah. having in your staff because they had the ex- one of those roles spots in the extra stage. Right, right. It's not there, but they had yeah. And I thought they handled a good design. So having the water tower still had that lounge up and and, yeah. and it was that. But on the backside was all the hobbit stuff. Right, right. So people could go by on yeah. the aisle and, and enjoy that, and it wasn't it wasn't fogging things up as much. So uh, yeah, it, it, but again, that goes back to again the idea that nothing seems that dominate. I think the biggest thing I saw mm-hmm. that, that dominated from a distance, like I knew where I was, was the and I would say the regular show for Cartoon Network, oh. the Blue Jay, and the uh, I don't even know what the, what the other animal is. Uh, I actually don't want. Any they, they have this huge car hanging from oh, the ceiling. Okay. Uh, with the with the two main characters from the regular show right. driving it, you know, it was a big statue. But right. that was the only thing that I like. If I was across the floor and I'd say, "Oh, that's the thing I can yeah. spot." I mean, you see the signs of Mattel and and other. And outside, it was the uh, the uh, Adventure Time. Yeah, the, the, the big inflatable frightening fin. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the big fin. It sort of was the, the dominating image that you kept, you know, walking. Yeah, by. yeah. So, and you had a panel. So let's talk okay. about that now. We've got, okay. Our annual, this is what Comic-Con is like. But now you, uh, you had a panel that I think speaks to. More what we need to talk, uh, talk about uh, is you were, um, reason for optimism in retailing? Yes. We needed to find It was called Retail Optimism, which, like, you know, Gumbo Shrimp and Military Intelligence <laughs> may be one of the, um, uh, you know, great option of our, of our time. But... The idea for the panel, I think the title came from uh, Eric Kersimer of Chicago Comics, great, uh, and Quimby's in Chicago, great stores in Chicago. He's one of our board members of Comics Pro, uh, which is the retailer uh, trade association for comic books. And or it's not called the direct market. Did you know this? It's not called the direct market anymore. I do Diamond, know that. Diamond has now been using this phrase which confused the heck out of me. I lost my language. Because uh, I know this is a family show, um, but it's uh, it's now CBSM. I, I, I may be wrong, but I think comic book specialty market is the phrase that they'll use now in their in their thing. And they're if trying. Only George Carlin were still alive. He'd have a field day with that. Okay, comic so, book specialty market. I mean, which is true. It's accurate. It's just adding well, a lot more trouble. Well, right, and direct market. And so then it's the CBSM. And direct market, I think, is, is like, it's not like when we say trade paperback. I mean, 
it's weird to sometimes say trade paperbacks because it's a trade phrase, literally. I mean, yeah. it, it, it doesn't mean anything. And sometimes, I mean, like how you say day, day and date, and actually we had a long talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there are these phrases that are not, you know, that are very inside baseball kind of things, but they become the norm. Yeah. The direct market means nothing because right now there's really no other market. Right. There's no other market for comic books. But then they tried the non-returnable market, and that's, you know, but now comic book specialty market, in terms of their own publicity, I think it makes Okay. So, um, but in the comic book specialty market, uh, you know, business is good. You know, the, the first half of, of 2012 has been really strong. Um, the second, no, fact. Yeah. second half of 2011, um, and yeah, Diamond, you know, has released, you know, I think June, if you saw like the June uh, sales statistics that Diamond released, you know, comic sales were up, trade paperback sales were up, well, collection sales. I want to say, yeah, we'll talk about this. I guess it's the number, like, uh, for Walking Dead 100, and I love the headline that I got a couple days ago <laughs> that it was the best-selling comic single issue of the 21st century. Yes. 383,612 copies right. of the first printing. Yes. So, I, we don't know. Included, but that's eight Covered, right, 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 right. Proportioned out, and it's uh, and and one chromium cover. Uh huh. Um, I mean, well, yeah. Then that's the thing. It's multiple covers there. I don't want to get back to Walking Dead, but to say overall, sales seem up. Sales are up. Here's the most interesting thing right? when we when we look at sales figures, because you can have sales figures. It's sort of like what I was talking about before about the you know how many customers. You can have sales high sales one way. I can have. I can have ten guys who show up every week and you spend a hundred dollars and make a thousand dollars that week, or I could have I could have fifty people show up and they all spend twenty dollars and make a thousand. And we're more in that kind of thing. I mean, there's a no, the overall number is going up too. I'm just using an example, but transactions are going up. Well, when customers are going up, have more customers. customers are going up because you know you just have a, a better base to hang on to, and that that that's growing. You know what? It does it relate to it relates to a couple of first of all, in terms of stories that were in the story, I think the big non story of the convention was digital, in the sense of this is the first year where I felt like we don't have to talk about digital anymore. You know, oh, Russ, I was gonna talk about digital. <laughs> <laughs> well not you I mean but in, in general it was it's it's now part of it's it didn't it hasn't dominant it hasn't destroyed print comics. Print comics are are they're not bigger than ever because, you know, we're not selling a million copies no. of action like they did in the 40s, but... Uh, right, and wasn't X-Men number one back in the early 90s. That yeah. was a million copies. But, we're, but I think we're, we're, but we're developing a culture that has more readers, and I do think, and this is a bit of a, uh, a, a sea change for me because I'm now seeing, now that we've gone through the DC New 52, which was, we probably were talking about it in the Zenonic stage last year. We were. But it, ha- it, it, it has, but that's one of the things. DC did a great job revitalizing um, the customer base, getting new people in. We got a lot of new people coming in asking, oh, you have the new 52? That brought people in. There's been a lot of retention. Um, some of those people heard about it through digital. Um, it's one of the, the craziest thing about the, the new 52 is that we still have people buying, like, issue two and three and four of you know, books like Aquaman or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, um, some of the, you know, and, and that people are still sort of catching up with it, um, and that's like a phenomenon you don't normal, normally see. I mean, we were sort of thinking, oh, 90 day, you know, windows, but we're getting new people and they want to catch up and they want to, you know, find out more, and then the ball keeps rolling. We have pe- I, I had a customer the other day who was, you know, uh, coming in for the Green Lantern Sinestro 
hardcover, you know, which is the first New 52 Green Lantern book. But then it was like, what are the other ones I should read? It's like, well, you have to read Cordell, you have to read this, you have to read that. Um, you know, and then he was interested in Flashpoint. I go, well, Flashpoint is sort of the bridge between the old universe and the New 52. And, 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 and so there's, so this isn't even about someone who's been reading all the comics. This is someone who's hearing about it a year later and wants to jump in with all these books. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's happening on, you know, that's an anecdote, but it's happening on a, on a regular basis. So there was that. It was our biggest free comic book day ever. Um, uh, Avengers movie, certainly propelling those. You know, Marvel has always been so big in the comics, but walking down the street, you know, People know Clark Kent as Superman. They don't know Steve Rogers as Captain America. And until right. recently, they didn't know Tony Stark right. uh, was Iron Man. I may have told the story before. We used to use Anthony Stark as our whenever we got a, a not a crank call, whenever we got an unsolicited business call, mm-hmm. and they would say, "Who's your owner or who's your head of finance?" We'd always say, "Oh, that would be Anthony yeah. Stark." And <laughs> and we yeah, you can't do it. We did that about a couple of years ago, and the guy on the other line said, "That's Iron Man." And I said, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Who's that? Wallace Mason? Try that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, there's uh, Dan Dryberg, um, you know, uh, or Adrian Veet. <laughs> there is the head of our company. Um, but that's an example of, you know, now it's mainstream. Comics are mainstream. Superheroes are mainstream. We have more... We have more boys. We have more under under fifteen. We're selling more back issues than ever, and that's sort of been the. A lot of stores are finding that that's a a a way to combat. I, I don't like the word combat, but to offer a counterpoint to digital, which is by having back issues, you're reinforcing the idea that you know there's something cool and neat and better maybe about having the comic. There's something in the comic that's value that, that's valuable that has. That you know that has something over time. So even a ten cent comic from the you know even a beat up ten cent comic from the sixties that I'm selling for three dollars yeah. that's a easy to math. I mean a three I mean I can't not a three that's like a three thousand percent. Yeah, I'm not sure what what math you yeah. want to do. And then but, you did math and I froze. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> but, but the, it's a three thousand percent. You know, it, 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 it's 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 thirty times a, a dime comic. It's right. thirty times what it, it it's it's still worth thirty times what it was worth. 30 years ago. And plus for the four or five children that actually appreciate history, uh, yeah. you know, there's, that, there's always that kind of thought, like, who had this before? And who, you know, it's beat up. Who beat it up? Well, yeah. and, and also, and for the, and, and the, the ego thing, not to, let's get all, uh, who was that guy? Not, um, like, he becomes very young again, right? Okay. Uh, a lot of kids respond to the idea that this is from before I was born. born. Yes. And and that that Superman existed before I was born, and they pick up the comic, and they they, they know the ten cent and twelve cent comics. They they if they're getting into collecting, they know that means something. So that we have cheap ten and twelve cent comics, not for ten or twelve cents, right? But, but affordable cheaper, yeah. ten or twelve cent or fifteen cents. They're like, oh. The other thing I say is, well, if you're selling a ten or twelve cent comic for three bucks, yeah, they're getting a lot more stories than they are back getting a brand new issue. Yeah. yeah, no, they sit down and read it. And that's, you know, I'm not taking a shot at anybody because I do think that there's some stories, you know, especially, uh, I do feel that... They're getting more word balloons and sound effects. Oh, yeah. I think <laughs> about... Thought balloons. I think about... The, a lot more thought balloons. But I think about, like, the New 52 is I felt, even with this book I didn't didn't like, there were a few titles that maybe are the exception to this, but that the storytelling got a lot more compressed again. Which two New 52 books in particular? Oh, okay. Where I felt like even though they went down to 20 pages of story, 
the ones I was enjoying, I was not feeling ripped off by paying for right. the right. 20 pages. I think, I, think that's, that's, I think that's part of it, too. I think there is something more satisfying. I think the art of knowing how to write that chapter in a, in a satisfying way, you know, and yeah. I think, like, you know, there are certain writers, Scott Snyder, who are really good at it, oh, and other God. people, you know, that you feel are going 20 or 22 pages and then just stopping, you know, like, oh, oh I'm done, okay, oh, I couldn't stretch this out anymore, okay, I'll stretch it out more next month, you know. And, and that, there's, 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 there's certainly a difference, but we're seeing that excitement. I mean, I had a kid um, who, I, I said I built a section for him. We, we did a section in the store, and again, these are some of the things we talked about at Retail Optimism. Um, you know, the idea of the panel was, it was mostly a retailer meeting, um, I, you know, uh, or retailers. You know, we invite uh, yeah. people who are interested in opening a store so they can just sort of hear the state of the union. Mm-hmm. But it really was to talk about ideas since we're doing well. I got to back up. I think you just coined a new word, retailer. <laughs> I, I think I have to give. <laughs> I think I have to give credit to Amanda Emmer, who's the uh, executive director of Comics Pro. I think I got that okay. from, from her. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Well, one of the things Comics Pro is about, what I like about it, is it's about mentoring. I mean, when I opened the shop in 2003, some of the people who are now my best friends turned me down for help. <laughs> I, I introduced myself as, hey, I'm trying to open a store, and I'm not competing with you, but me, I just, I just have a few questions. Can I ask you a few questions? And people are like... I really don't have time for that, you know, and everyone would say, well, maybe that's that person, or maybe that's that person, and I got kind of the runaround, and then you're on your own, but, I mean, to me, you know, I always said, how many copies of, you know, really, I'm putting in my first order, Diamond puts a lot of pressure on you, get in an order, get in an order, and that sets the tone for your discount and all these things, how do you know how many copies of Spider-Man to order for, like, your first day of open? Who's going to show up? So, you know, so to me, one of the things I've been trying to do and, and my responsibility with Comics Pro is really deal with a lot of the mentoring and mm-hmm. even not just people who are trying to open stores, new stores. Anytime we're at one of these panels and I meet someone who's like, you know, got a new store, I, you know, I want to talk to them and, you know, say I have like, you know, an open phone policy just if they've got any, any, any questions. Well, and Diamond seems to be putting it. I think this came out of that. was big news. You know, big news that a lot of people ignore because it's the nuts and bolts of the industry. Yeah. But I care because I love, you know, if you get it fall apart. We don't have a comic right. industry. We right. still have movies. But, you know, <laughs> well, I mean, that's true. We'll still have Comic-Con. We'll still have Comic-Con. <laughs> there won't be anybody selling comics. Right. Uh, that's not true. There'll be plenty. No, those guys will go on. Because they got, I mean, in terms of the back issues, those, their stock will go on forever. But, yeah. 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 So, what was it that, you know, just to get through the Diamond News was they're giving point-of-sale systems to... There, there were two big stories that came out of that. Um, that Chris Powell, um, and I don't remember the exact title, but I think he's like... VP of retailer or, you know, business development or something, um, and he was the general manager of Lone Star Comics for many, okay. many years, and a uh, board member of Comics Pro, and uh, and Chris is... Diamond wisely brought in Chris to, to address basically how to improve the business on the retailer level, and there were two initiatives. One is um, for retailers who want to expand their businesses. Like if I want to open a third store, they put in some really good programs to make uh, to make me able to stock the stores at a lower discount, like the, the pub- and with the publishers. I mean, and I think it's most of the major publishers, so I, I apologize if I don't name everybody, but it was like DC Marvel, Dark Horse, Boom, uh, IEW, Image, um, probably Dynamite. I mean, there's a whole bunch of logos, but I think it was pretty much the main... Uh, you know, you know, six, seven, eight uh, comic book and graphic novel publishers, um, 
all creating like deep discount systems. So if you were, uh, you know, and also then, like some financing arrangement too, where it's also like you're, 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 I mean, when we opened the store, the day I opened the store, I had to write out a huge check for all the graphic novels I was, I was buying, mm-hmm. you know, because they didn't have these kind of programs then. Uh, and now it's, they're going to give you a deeper discount, uh, especially if you're opening, a, if you're opening a new store, if you're opening a third, uh, you know, or not third, or a, a, an additional store. Because one of the things that Diamond knows is the best, the stores that succeed the most mm-hmm. in terms of new stores are stores opened by people who have stores. Um, that the, there, there is a high failure rate for new stores. Or people who just kind of show up to open a store may not, may be in it more as a hobbyist um, than, a, than a business. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't necessarily add as much to the industry bottom line if it's just somebody who opens up in a small space just so he can get a discount on his own comics and sell comics to his friends and maybe has a few things and maybe just has a back issue collection out. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it just it doesn't necessarily add to the promotion of, well, you know, yeah, it's yeah. not a shop that someone's going to walk into and discover it's a lifetime enjoyment of comics because the, the selection is limited or whatever. So the, the, the idea is to get the products in the stores uh, and in new stores. And the second part of it was um, so Diamond, is, uh, it was in terms of POS system. Diamond has a POS system called Comic Suite. Um, at Earth Two, we use Moby. Uh, full disclosure, uh, which is which is a great system. But you know, they they have one that's based on um, uh, Microsoft RNS system. And uh, I didn't realize there were competing systems. I, I've only been to stores that use Moby. Yeah. So. Well, that Diamond. I mean, Moby came first, but Diamond. You know, had, you know, obviously it's sort of a second business for them. So Diamond is trying to to promote. I mean, everyone should have a POS system. Any new store I tell, have a POS system. Whether I don't care whether POS it's standing for point of sale. Point of sale, right? yes, yeah. point of sale system. So I, you know, uh, you know, I obviously, you know, have a preference for Moby, but you need whether you do, you know, uh, Comic Suite, Moby. There's a couple others, um, but those are probably the two primary ones. But Diamond is doing a system where. I think, if I understood it correctly, if you if you buy into um, uh, Comic Suite and it's you know a package where you get all the hardware and all the um, all the software because you're also getting their computers from them, uh, you know, and maybe it's like six thousand dollars, you'll get a matching amount in retail of product. So basically, that's a pretty good way to get a store started. So if you're starting a new store, you're going to get six thousand in, 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 from all these, all these, you know, all these vendors, um, and you know, and, and you'll get the system. You'll, I mean, so sort of, I think, I, if I understood it, I don't know exactly how it's running, but my understanding is it's more like a, you know, a rebate type of thing. Mm-hmm. You're still going to have to. Uh, so I think Rich Johnson's column made it sound like they were giving it to you for for somehow for free, um, but it's more of like a. a, a you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's more like a rebate kind of thing where you, you have to pay, but I think they're also trying to come up with favorable financing terms where you don't have to pay it all up front, where you can pay it over several years or you don't have to pay for the, you know. We're trying year. to work with each other, get people back on, get, get people on their feet. Yeah, and, and in terms of, and if you don't have a POS system, and this is, can be, and, you know, this may be the only way you can afford it, it's a good way to go because POS ultimately helps you Better, be more efficient with your with your with your with your sales. Well, and that's be more profitable. An inventory tracking system yeah. for people that aren't familiar with it. Uh, you know, that and what I like uh, on, on Mobi, I'll assume this other one we gave Wolves, 
as often happens as a buyer, as you buy a lot, you forget, did you get that issue? And exactly. you need the alternate cover, and it's not just, like, I'm not an alternate cover person. I right, do not right. care. But if I see the cover and I forget what number was the last one I read, it's like, oh, my gosh, did I buy that? And then they can look it up and say, no, yes. you did. You yes. know, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, when the second printing comes out, you don't know if you missed it or if the cover's not familiar. Yeah, no, there's things, you know, there's things like that. It's also, you know, it, it allows for us to do uh, rewards programs. It allows us to really, when we're ordering, we have, you know, the way we used to have to count things every month, you know, I had to count every product to determine, you know, how many did I sell, you know, and, and, and if I misplaced some copies, mm-hmm. What I count off the shelf may not even be an accurate reflection of what I sold, but the idea that I know in a, in my system exactly how many copies of um, Minuteman number one I sold, so when it comes time to order number two, I can go, okay, well I need, you know, I, I have a better formula for coming right. up with exactly what I need. Okay, so that you know, and there it is. So that's that was reason for optimism. So we don't have to talk about digital. Did Diamond Digital come through? Did uh, is any of that online store? I, you know, they made some staff changes, so I don't know. So they, they talked about it briefly at the, at the Diamond Lunch, but I don't know exactly when it's all. Um, it's still in the work. It still, still seems the, the iverse. Yeah, you know, it still seems. Uh, you know, I don't know exactly what the status is. Okay. Okay. So we'll just table that one. For <laughs> That's the way I feel in most of the talk to you. Is it, it seems like everything's still... My sense of the Diamond program, what I like, I mean, this comes from talking about it a bit at, at uh, Comics Pro in, in, in February. And Diamond, again, because of their, you know, uh, basis in distribution, is trying hard to make it a retailer-friendly digital system. Diamond is trying to create a system, to my understanding, where these are digital comics that can only be purchased through retailers. Ultimately, I'll be honest and say I don't know if that's the that's the best way to sell digital comics, but it's but as but what I appreciate about what Diamond's doing is they're they are very sensitive to the concerns of of, mm-hmm. of, of retailers. Um, and if there's a way, and they're also talking about different ways to make the site, you know, that if I have a Diamond, if I have an Earth Two Iverse shop. Um, it's something that I can sort of adapt, you know, to my own, you know, to my own needs, and you know, pick and choose which comics I feature, and you know, make it more like my own own shop. I, mm-hmm. I'm sort of reluctant to do things where I don't necessarily have control over my inventory, you know, which is why I haven't necessarily jumped on other, you know, digital right options because I just don't want to be a feeder system to someone else's business. Yeah, and then we, am I right? Really, nobody's telling us what how well digitals are selling. We know that things are selling. There's a lot of numbers out there, but, you know, uh, and claims and projections and different things. There are a lot of downloads. There's a lot of downloads of the software, you know, I mean, you know, um, you know, for the Marvel app, the DC app, the Comixology app, all the various apps. Which are all the same app, actually. Which are all the same app, but, you know, yeah. yeah. I mean, the Comixology thing is, yeah. And I downloaded all three of them. So, so I always go, take any number for how many apps you know, how many times yeah. the app has been downloaded, and I'm like five because of all my, you know. Yeah, five no, no, seven. I have all those apps. Yeah. I still go back through the comments. I'll yeah. get all, the, get all through that. Right. So it's, it, you know, so in terms of the numbers, my own guess, and I, I can't tell you exactly how. I mean, it'll, it'll be boring. I sort of, in my head, I kind of based on numbers that have been out there, I kind of arrived at the math that the number of users for digital, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, you know, like first of all, I don't believe that the highest 
selling, and I'm not talking about downloaded because there's a lot of free stuff, but I don't think the highest selling digital comic is competitive with the highest selling um, actual print comic. I mean, I, I think even if you're looking at something like, like, like Justice League, you know, mm-hmm. say for DC, which is, you know, got to be, you know, in 80, you know, 80,000, 100,000, you know, a month regularly now. Um, and, um, you know, how I, much was that comparatively? What were you telling of Justice League before? I know Justice League. Well, Justice League, I mean, uh, Justice League, towards the end of the last run, I mean, my numbers are probably double to triple. Um, you know, I mean, you know, where, you know, they, they, they did during the non-Jim Lee issues, but again, when Jim Lee came back, people revisited those issues, but also they were really good issues. I mean, Jester got some great stories, so people who want to come, you know, and that weren't... But what I mean compared you know, to the pre-New 52, where was Justice League at? Justice League was probably in the, I mean, I would imagine 30, you know, 20 to 30,000. 20 to 30,000 versus now... I love games, but there's a lot of criticism of that run. I mean, we saw, and we saw sales in the last year. Well, you know, I, okay, I'll defend James on this, is, you know, when he's writing a tail end where it's very clear he can't use certain characters and ultimately continuity's not going to yeah. happen. Oh, yeah. Know, which was his shot at the end. Right. You know, this is what people remember us, so, we, you know, we existed and it was that cry out there. Yeah, I, I wept at that, that, that his, his last <laughs> issue of Justice League because it was sort of this, you know, this, 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 uh, you know, tribute to, you know, what he was trying to do. And yes, when you go into it, because remember, he was, his Justice League was supposed to be coming out of Cry for Justice. So yeah. it was supposed to be more of what he was supposed to be doing, sort of a Big Seven, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, strong right. kind of thing. And then they took all the, the, the you know, he had, but instead of Superman, he had Supergirl. Instead of Hal Jordan, he had Tom Stewart. Instead right. of, uh, you know, Flash, he had Jesse Quick or something. I mean, you know, yeah. literally everybody was, was, mm-hmm. He had Dick Grayson instead of Bruce Wayne. Yeah. He had he had uh, Troy. It was all yeah. It w- it was sort of like well you know you can kind of, you know you can do the the the, the sort of the the the, the, the list. I mean but Dick was Batman so he had Batman. But yeah. um. But Saint Walker he had the Blue Lantern instead of the Green Lantern. Right yeah it was yeah. but it was it was a a it was it became a different thing. It was yeah. supposed to be um. But yeah no and again that's what I'm saying it's not an editorial you know, you know criticism I I enjoyed the book but in terms of um, I mean, most of the DC books. I mean, the things that are unfortunate, um, Superman, you know, is one of those books that kind of, they haven't found, you know, uh, and I think George Perez has been talking about this a bit, and, you know, uh, <coughs> but it's just how, how does it balance out with um, with action? I'm enjoying action. Some people uh, no, I really like aren't. Um, but it kind of does put Superman in a trap where how do you make, you know, uh, you know, how, how do you how do you kind of figure out what his character is going to be? You know, you know, five years later, and how do you do these exciting stories when you're probably told, well, no, you can't use Brainiac because France is in Brainiac. Oh, you can't do that because he hasn't done his Lex Luthor story yet, or whatever. Mm. You know, um, yeah. You know, so, and then we're seeing in sales. I say Superman is just kind of. You know, for a major book, is is flatlining. But all the Batman books are doing great. I mean, and as a line, the Batman books are are, are way up. Well, aside you know, from being one of the creepiest uh, tie-in giveaways at uh, Comic Con, would be Court of Owls Mask. Um, did you get one? I think I did. I didn't get one. It's scary. It took me a while to figure out that someone was giving them out. I thought someone. I thought a couple people came up with a really cool mask because they were people who were wearing them yeah. like with suits and were in costumes. Mm-hmm. And then it was like when I saw everybody with them, I'm like, oh, they gave these out. 
Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, but there it is, yes. The Court of Owls is doing, uh, the Batman yes. thing, crossover is doing well. Um, interesting, that's one of the controversial storylines, I, and I don't have a problem with this, is the kind of revamping of the reasons behind why his parents were killed. Right. You know, um, but that's just modern storytelling again, I guess. Yeah, it's one of those things that's been sort of, you know, I'm always curious with that, with, with um, the Batman mythology, because it really felt to me, I mean, spoilers for Batman R.I.P. and for, I guess, you know, Court, Court of Owls. You know, R.I.P. is okay. Yeah, like a couple but, of years ago but when, it, when they introduced, I remember in the solicit for a certain issue it said, and you know, the return of a character you never thought would come back, and then in that issue, very, it's almost off-panel, when um, the Black Love guy, um, you know, Dr. Hurt, no. Dr. Hurt, yeah, Dr. Dr. Hurt reveals himself as Thomas Wayne, and and sort of like, wow, and and knowing the way, not that I know, I was going to say knowing the way Grant Morrison thinks, and boy, is that a beautiful, do you just seek psychological counseling now, did you say? Uh, <laughs> I know the way Grant Morrison. No, but knowing, having read a lot of Grant Morrison's stories, I can imagine that the appeal to to Grant Morrison in terms of writing the ultimate Batman dies story would be to reveal that Thomas Wayne is alive and was behind, you know, mm-hmm. the, the behind the the, right. the thing that created Batman. That would be the ultra ultimate deconstruction but of it Batman. But, but it wasn't Thomas Wayne's father; it was Thomas Wayne Jr. No, it was in 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 it was Thomas Wayne, perhaps from the 1600s, that got caught up in the in that that, that never died, like the the right. rich Thomas Wayne from. Mm-hmm. But I but but I suspect <laughs> I I don't know if that was you know but I suspect there's a somewhere whether it was in a script and got taken out or whether it was it, it strikes me that at some point it should have been or was supposed to be actually Thomas Wayne, the father, and it got, it got shut down. This is fantastic. We're going to argue this. I'm, we're going to have a Thomas nerd debate here. Yes. I think it's Thomas Wayne, and all these intended to be, the excuse he gave was the older brother, because one, that's the Earth 3 uh, right. crime syndicate. Batman. Yeah, yeah. But it was also in a Batman Dead Man story in the early 70s. Oh, the world the, 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 world yeah. the brain-damaged older brother who was... Yeah. And that's and that's Grant Morrison, right. not throwing anything away, looking back and going, oh, there's an older brother in a, in a sanitarium, right. and then justifying that he's actually, you know, he got that Bruce Wayne, if that story still existed, where Bruce Wayne remembered discovering that there was, that Boston Brand was running around in that brother's body, and yeah. body for some time. Uh, although I think even DC dropped that almost immediately. Well, that was part of that was part of the whole super. I mean, not, not it wasn't in a super sun story, but that was part of the Bob Haney edited. Oh right, right. I'm sorry. Right. I must remember that <laughs> Bob Haney has his own continuity. That's why I love reading Brave and the Bold. Yeah. Bob Haney stories, but nothing matters anywhere else. But because of Thomas <laughs> Wayne, because of Thomas Wayne Jr., that actually was my that was my one comic nerd quest, and I found a copy uh, at a very good price. And two copies of the second part of it, but I found the two part, the two stories of Thomas Wayne Jr. in World Finest with Dead Man. So justifying that his existence was this immortal, you know, creature who would occasionally go so insane that he couldn't be dealt with. Right. And you know, so I, I think I, I never had a problem. You know, it made sense he would look like Thomas Wayne, 
Right. In, in a comic book lo- logic. But, well, know. everybody looks the same. And then Bruce Wayne doesn't even look like himself in issue days. So, <laughs> I mean, if you ask me to draw a picture of Bruce Wayne, I really don't know what I would draw because he is one of those characters that has, I guess there's certain classic features. I don't know. This is far afield. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> I don't swear to God. It'd be Bruce Timms. Yeah. yeah. Just or or as I, I, I had occasion to stare at Alex Ross's painting of Justice League for about 10 minutes yeah. on uh, Sunday. I was waiting for a friend to find me. And just staring at that painting and just going, like, I love that, although his Batman seems so old. Yeah. Like, this is, a, it already is a Dark Knight Returns yeah. guy. You know, he's retiring in his 50s. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, that exactly how square jaw, the yeah. jaw is bigger than the top of the head. You know, <laughs> like, this guy, you know, it's, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, New 32 sales up. Now, Marvel turns around and is offering us, um, Marvel now, which is not a reboot, but it's definitely been jumping on. And I, I'm throwing that in saying because they keep saying it's not a reboot. Yep. But clearly, Avengers versus X Men. What little I understand is they're resetting the table and bringing the original five X Men forward in time. That worked so well with the child Tony Stark in the '90s, and uh, you know Jean Grey is going to look and see what has become of her, and things. And you got the Scarlet Witch involved. So really, yeah. I mean, like I'm. I'm an optimistic retailer. Of course so, you are. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm excited by, you know, the, 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 the creative teams involved with the various, Fantastic you know, creative teams. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm very excited. And I think, look, I think Hickman has, you know, done his Fantastic Four, and I think Fraction has done his Iron Man. So the idea of, you know, hey, let's swap and move around, I don't think is a bad idea. Um, you know, and it creates a good time. And certainly, Bendis has had every opportunity to say everything he's wanted to about the Avengers, and I, I've enjoyed it. I, you know, and, and so in doing excellent. But it is one of those, you know, yeah, you know, geek conversations where I just go, I don't as a series, like I can understand doing like a mini series or something, but as a regular concept. And I'll even point to something like Legion Lost, which is sort of the opposite version. But the idea of time loss. 60s X-Men. I mean, you're in a you're in a continuity. 60s X-Men because and they're not, they're not that old. Right, right, exactly. So yeah, you start getting into that. She can't really. Be, why is she wearing go-go boots? You know, because um, they're hot. Because they're hot. <laughs> and, and, and but so, you know, but it also just becomes the it, it just becomes the thing of you're creating you're creating a story trap where it, it, one of the things that we get from customers is they. And this is the strangest thing, and maybe you've seen this in comic shops too. They'll walk up and they'll hold up a book, and especially like when it's a tie-in to Avengers versus X-Men or a Crisis crossover. I don't want to say, by the way, because people can't see this, you are reenacting this very scene physically. I'm using a board. It's a board instead of a comic. <laughs> it's a blind board. It's like an actual book. Here's an. Uh, <laughs> but, it, but it is. They, they do. They kind of hold out the book and they go, "Do I need to read this?" And they don't, they're not asking whether it's good or not. They just want to know if it's integral to the, the, the story. And my fear, and look, I, I, I like Bendis. I mean, I've, I've enjoyed, you know, pretty much everything of his that I've read for, you know, uh, you know, however many years. But when I look at, um, you know, when I look at the, the, the time-forward young X-Men thing, I just want to make sure I can, can, you know, that there's a story there that people will feel matters. Because otherwise it feels like, no, they're going to visit the future and they're going to have to forget everything on the way back and they're mm-hmm. not really going to be able to change 
time or space or anything anyway. And they're just going to go back and right. live through all these, you know, it's not going to stop them from getting taken over by Mastermind in, you know, in no, 10 right. years, you know. I mean, they're, anything they learn, they're going to have to forget, you know. So, right. so it, it, it's, a, it's a real challenge, you know, to, to make a book like that seem relevant. relevant. Mm-hmm. To you know, as opposed to hey, here's a wacky mini series like when we're doing you know a, a year one kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, and I'd almost you know I wouldn't mind that. I mean, I wouldn't mind if you know um, you know there've been some you know uh, I mean they do first class type of things a lot. You know, so I don't know. If but I've been, enjoyed those. Yeah. Maybe. You know, and I just hope it's not motivated by because they're going to because of the next X Men movie or something. It's because we're going to see those characters. They need a comic book that's got those five characters in a classroom setting yeah, again. Well, I'm trying to think that, well, because the Beast already exists in the first class movie universe. Angel right. doesn't. Iceman doesn't yet. But, I mean, and that's the other thing, too, is you go to the movie side of it, I, I think that franchise is just, I, I told my daughter, who's very confused, as to, she picks up an X-Men comic and these yeah, some characters concurrent with each other, but why are they, some are in first class, some are in X2, but I said, well, they blew it. They just, screwed it up. <laughs> so, He's one of those characters. And, that's the, and then when it went back to first class, it was like, oh, who haven't we used? Because we've already lost those other characters in a different time. Yeah. But I think first class is just going to reboot the whole thing. I mean, it's just a soft reboot and yeah. everybody's used to it. Yeah. It's like, now that's the continuity. No, they'll do a sequel to first class and not even tell us it's the 50s. You know, I mean, they can do it and just make, you know, it can be so stylized you don't even have to do Cuban Missile Crisis. Although I kind of feel like, I mean, all of them, like, I would love to see the Fantastic Four. There's a rumor years ago yeah. that Peyton Manning was going to direct a Fantastic Four and say, you know what, if we really want to accept and have fun with these characters the way we're supposed to, let's lock them into a time. Yeah. I mean, what's great about you know, Robert Downey Jr. playing Sherlock Holmes, which I thought was a dumb idea until I saw it, um, <laughs> you know, and I, I kind of like those movies, um, right. but it is still stuck in the 19th century, and I thought it was going to hate Sherlock, the right. BBC show. Love that, but, yeah. it, but, it, but if it had been anybody other than than Stephen Moffat and Mark Gattis, I might not have enjoyed that. Like, well, we'll have that chance to see with elementary. Uh, well, yeah, there's been a lot of ideas of just putting a Sherlock Holmes-type character in a modern But I, what I just mean is, 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 like, some characters, they might let them be time-wise. Mm-hmm. That's it for, and the X-Men, they're 60. Yeah, let them be 60. For movies, at least. But don't, yeah, I mean, it's a strange thing to say that, because the whole Marvel, for Marvel to survive and work, I mean, here's, I just thought of this. This is my big um, uh, uh, theory, my yeah. big bang theory for Marvel. Um, and I bet, I bet one of those architects said this at, a, at one of their summits too, or something. But here's the problem: the way DC used to be tied to the 40s, mm-hmm. and and they needed to do sort of crisis and all those things, and now New 52 to right. finally break away from right. the 40s. Marvel has always been down by the 60s mm-hmm. and has never been, you know, and that's the thing that they haven't been able to break away uh, from. And maybe, and that's, you know, and, and again, I don't know that a crisis type of thing, you know, reboot type of thing would totally work for Marvel because it might kind of smack everybody in, 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 in the face too much. Well, because they've claimed so long they would never do it. So right. You know, they did ultimate and stuff like that, but that's sort of the, but that's, 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 the, that's the catch-22 is the 60s vibe is part of what's always been 
right. appealing. And but something on but now we are but now you know Marvel's celebrating their you know what is you know what is it fifty years of, yeah you know, fifty years of Spider Man you know and, and then you're sort of going mm-hmm. okay well you know how do you how do you, you Spider Man's fifty yeah that's weird to think <laughs> <laughs> but yeah okay and, and, and you know you're right and then when DC rebooted and we go back to James Robinson the Earth Two book yeah where I did not expect that they were going to just restart all these characters right. in 2012. Right. And so far, even in messing with the origin, I had to agree with James Robinson like you go with Jay Garrick. Well, Jay Garrick's actual origin in 1940 was stupid. Sure. I'm going to smoke in a lab full of dangerous chemicals and hard water. <laughs> A few some hard water, which convinced me. Like when I heard that you had to have a water softener when I was a little kid, <laughs> and I'd already read that story. I'm like, oh my god, what's going to happen in our house if a water softener? Am I going to get water. super speed? Uh, I didn't even know what hard water. And then it was mirror. I had the hard water projections, and then he's like, yeah, Julius Schwartz messed with a lot of my <laughs> projections by the small child. Um, but yeah, and they had, and they had to, re, to reboot. So yeah, I see what you're saying. But I I like the fifties vibe for the Mar- for yeah. Marvel. Um, and, and I'm not saying it has to be. I don't mind the books being modern. I like the ultimate. Right. I like, but it is hard to adjust to. This is what this is what would happen if these characters were appearing for the first time today. And then you go like the Amazing Spider-Man rebooting yet again, and yet logically, sort of, the genetic engineering on the spider makes a lot more sense than radioactivity. Yeah. But also, as I've had some friends pause before, that's also what are we afraid of? You know, in the 60s, we were afraid of radiation, so right. everything's W radiation, and now we're all afraid of genetic manipulation. Right. And I've, I was sharing super jobs with a friend of mine, who, and he was, like, mocking my comic reading, and I said, but Sam Morrison's right. Look, we can, we're working on genetically engineering our soldiers. We're going to build the Iron Man suit. They've got one. It's just too dang expensive to... Uh, and you can't untether it. And I think Renato still has the power, but it can't right. power itself. But it can do everything that the Iron Man suit is supposed to do. Wow. And to some company out in Utah. And, but it's billions of dollars, and you have to have a little right. extra. It's a huge extension cord for that. But you know, I mean, you know, that's, that's true. We're 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 heading there, um, and, and so yeah, I kind of like this one's back, and then we're busy making another one stuck in time. Sandman got it out. That's yeah, fantastic miniseries. Uh, Neil Gaiman coming back to DC. Do you think this negotiation is going on? It's like, well, can we, we can't afford to piss Neil off because we've lost Alan, Alan Moore so far down the rabbit hole. Well, I think it comes from the same place. I mean, I, I you know, again, this is more my view of having been at a, a you know, a, a Hollywood studio, and I think DC Entertainment has a bit of that vibe. It's, you have to play to your strengths. I mean, you know, you've got properties, and, and, and they're looking at... Um, you know, we. You know, why do they do the Ferris? You know, because Fables is is is, is, is popular. Why do they do Jack of Fables? You know, so the idea of you know, you know spin-offs and things. Which I want to say that I mean, let me stop for a second because you bring up a, you just sparked something else for me. Is that for a lot of creators, they made public statements, Bill Willingham being the first, that this will be their last. This was their last Comic Con. Ooh. It's too big a hassle. Mike Mignola is not going to come. I heard Mike Mignola say that. Yeah, and Bill Willingham said the same thing. And so. Um, 
there's this kind of thing we go back to with the comic creators still be valid automatons, yeah. and a lot of them are tired of the right. hassle of going down there. Right. Well, you know, I mean, look, and even things like the, you know the, the the DC booth, which you know is you know again, it's become more efficient. It used to be a nice casual place where you kind of walk by and go, oh, there's Bill William and Mark Buckingham, and they're just kind of sitting there. And now he's doing an interview on a big closer. Yeah, TV, which is kind of cool. I yeah. like it. Cause and maybe there's you know there's, yeah there's you know, there's a line of ten people or fifteen people, and you got to you know let, you know you got a sketch from Mark, and you know now it's like you need to again get the ticket to get the line to get to this to get yeah. to that to be able to, to do that. And I, I think it's probably, you know, I mean, and again, you know, and things like Fable that really have a big fan base, it's also probably harder, because I, I, I saw there were less outside of their scheduled things. I felt like I saw fewer pros just kind of casually around. I don't know if that's totally fair uh, to say, but I mean, I kind of suspect that they can't, you know, you know, hang out as easily as, as, as maybe they, they... I feel that, but I not only pros, I, I don't think I saw pros, I don't think I saw celebrities want to Right, right. Way I used to, and they can't, you know. Yeah. Except maybe Gene Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, so Sandman's back. So we've got Jay right. Williams III coming, yeah. coming back. And how has the Four Watchmen been doing for you? The Four Watchmen has been doing very well. Um, I, I'm personally enjoying the book. You know, it, it, it's a, you know, part of it is a bit of a puzzle. I mean, I'm a Watchmen fanatic and even yeah. wrote a... Um, uh, uh, an issue by issue analysis for a few years ago for comic book resources called Rereading Watchmen. So I kind of, I mean, again, I don't know, can't say I know the book inside and out, uh, except you like saying I know how Grant Morrison thinks. But, you know, I, I've read it so many times. There's that a strange optimistical portal opening behind you every time you say that, by the way. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's getting bigger. Okay. But I was trying to before watching like dancing between the raindrops because you, you're trying, they're trying to make right. sure that, you know, taking bits and pieces from Watchmen. And, and, and there's a lot of artistic license in the sense of they are, re- you know, reinterpreting things that Alan Moore presumably meant as facts. Mm-hmm. If, a, if a character said it, we are, you know, are now finding out in some cases it was what they said. And Watchmen may have been a cover story for something else. It may not be, you know, entirely oh, accurate. I don't mind. I've always liked that one of the things that Jeff Loeb did, and I was under a lot of fire today, and there I have staffers that hate his work, um, but one of the things he did uh, with the, with the, the like, the Hulk Gray, and but was saying that absolutely the stories we had gotten like there was a you know the Hulk encountered Iron Man on the first night and right. I never saw that before because well Tony Stark wasn't going to tell anybody he got his butt kicked by right, you know, right, right. <laughs> and that the idea that suddenly all these things that we've known could be subjective when we probably, we probably grew up reading these stories right. accepting them as this is the objective right. case of how it happened because yeah and I do but I do think people have a, a, a higher standard with Watchmen because it's sort of like as opposed to even even though with Lee and Kirby with Hulk and the Avengers and things like that, I still think there's a they weren't looking at it as like we're telling a full story. Right, right. So there is more gap, you know, to sort mm-hmm. of say, oh well, you know, yeah, right. it's the Marvel universe. You're sort of playing with these toys. Um, you know, it, you know, I, that's the only area where you know. And look, I still think it's a a, a you know. I'm not going to, de- you know, I've debated too much. I'm, I, you know, it, it, it exists, and I, I don't think any. I don't think it's fair to say someone didn't have a right to do it. You know, I mean, if there's, I know, you know, what? <laughs> then we'll leave it. I so, don't want you to but, get. Yeah, I, because it's true. I mean, people are buying it. It's and not. Are, and then some people are buying, and, and, and if someone is offended by it, they have the right not 
to, you know, not, not to buy it. But, there's, but the fact that the, the level of talent involved certainly shows it's obviously a debatable issue. Because, you know, I mean, I don't think, you know, uh, you know, those are people who just, I mean, they're clearly, and I think when you read the books, you see they're really doing it out of a passion and a love and, and taking, not taking the responsibility, you know, lightly. And, I, and, 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 and when all the books are done, so I'm trying to reserve, you know, uh, you know I, I, I look forward to sort of discussing some of those intricacies and choices that are made with, with some of those creators, you know, and sort of say, hey, when, you know, you know, is this an editorial error or did you really mean to rein- completely reinterpret well, what, what yeah, is presented? I, I, I was seeing at the DC booth, um, you know, like, I'm really glad the fan thing finally came together because with the announcement, a lot of people, a lot of sites, I, I like to read and see what's kind of the state of journalism. Yeah. No one's really acknowledging that for years Neil Gaiman had been saying, had this bad story about how he had wanted to do this story a while back, yes. and DC would not come together. And that's not getting reported because everybody sort of says, is this happening? We take it at face value. Right. I think yes. there's still value in saying, look, this does say something's gone on. Some right. sea change, I, right. I know I have friends who hate that phrase, uh, but some change has happened where they did see the value in Neil Gaiman. And they've all, I always feel like they have treated right. him a little, a little better. But this is a story that, that if you've known your history yeah. of Gaiman, we yeah, always talked about doing the, about doing this story the night before Sandman One, basically. Right, and I was like, okay, so this is very legit. The flip side is that before Watchmen, but what I noticed was walking around the booth in DC, and they have action figures ready. I'm very tempted by Mattel because they have an online subscription. You can buy the action mm-hmm. figures every two months and get one yeah. new one from Watchmen. And I'm like, oh, do I, I where do I put this? I don't know. Right. These are the ones promised us a decade ago. But I saw like this art, you know, Amanda Connor's version of. Uh, of Phil Spector. And then I see fan art or, or artists that have done pinups of these characters yeah. all along. And I attended Jonathan Ross's writer's room with mm-hmm. uh, Layman, uh, Kirkman, and, uh, oh, this is awful that I'm blanking on the third person. Vaughn uh, or Brubaker? Or? It was Brubaker. It was Brubaker. Yeah. Uh, and so one of the things that, that you know, Kirkman's always so much a very creator on creator on creator on, and yet, where I look at people like, well, Darwin Cook, I mean, who's doing this fantastic Cody Eisner for Parker, really stretching what comics can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've talked to Darwin, he's a really, you know, dedicated professional, and it's like, uh, you know, he's really great. It's like, well, if Darwin Cook's doing it, I feel like there has to be some integrity to it. What's the difference, you know, what is the temptation from the moment that Watchmen came out Everybody's wanted a chance to play with those toys, even though they were hands off. Right. You know, like any of the of the iconic yeah, characters. Yeah. Like, well, everybody wants it, even though you know. Well, I'm not going to get a piece of this. Right. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to. I can only write my story and hope that it'll be remembered uh, for a couple of years. Right. Uh, <laughs> but you still want to play with them. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I'm starting to come around and see it from that point of view whether I like them or not. Well, it's sort of what, I mean, and again, it's, you know, I, I'm not going to say, it is just what the history of comics has, has, has been. I mean, and even in the Marvel Universe, you know, how quickly was it before Roy Thomas got promoted and spent every waking minute crafting stories trying to fit in between the Stanley and Jack Kirby, you know, stories and trying to explain, you know, what, one of my favorite, you know, 70s Captain America things, which Brubaker then brought back, was the 50s cap, you know, yeah. because there were these, you know, uh, you know, because, you know, Stan Lee, when he decided in, in, in 1963 that Cap was in a block of ice, he never 
wasn't thinking, oh, but there were Captain America stories after, published after 1944. Right, because but, he didn't figure anybody read them. He, he was still reading them. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't think it mattered. You know, he said, well, that's the story I'm going to tell. So he changed it his way, and then Roy Thomas decided, no, I'm going to take omniversal theory or, you know, whatever, and I'm going to I'm going to try and make everything, I'm going to try and make everything um, fit. Yeah. Or, you know, it, it, it's, it's been part of the, the, the fun. I think, obviously, there's a great temptation when somebody says, look, for Sandman, Neil Gaiman's a very personal work. I think, um, you know, and, and and I'm glad there's going to be a Sandman. And I think DC wants to do more Sandman because they look at their library and they say, what sells year after year? Gable sells, Sandman sells, Watchmen sells. How do we get companion pieces? That's 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 business, and that's how they're right, right, you know, right. and and that's sort of where we why we you know, where we're making the companion. Fables has its own convention coming in uh, Minnesota. Really? The first Fable Con will appear, um, and we say that's still a gateway drug. That's yeah. absolutely Fable. Yeah. Fables, um, Sandman is still. I mean, you know, and I was I don't even have to point people to that. They just read it, you know, and and. Well, and one of the best things in terms of Sandman is becoming a lot of passage. It's almost like every Sandman is, but all these books and with the new people that we've been having, these books have gotten renewed life. It was, you know, and partially as I'm Sandman, they did those redesigns. I don't know exactly what happened, but I've been selling runs of Sandman again for the last year. You know, because it is a gateway drug. Because you know the new editions came out, so we got the better coloring and it's more pleasing to. Well, it's still self-contained. And, and then if you explore like the the, the dreaming series that DC did, right. Some of those were good. Some of those were right. not so good, but most of them were fun. Yeah. No, and, we'll, and maybe we're going to see, and maybe we're going to see more repackaging. I mean, well, they're coming out the Sandman Midnight Theater. I think, um, okay. or, or, San, or Neil or just Neil, San, Neil Gaiman's Midnight Days or something. Well, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. some of the ancillary stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Sandman Mystery Theater was basically trying to capitalize on the right, Sandman right, right. at the time by doing you know pulpy adventures of West Oz. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so this has always been, it's always been the thing, the idea that suddenly, you know, uh, you know, look, Alan, I love Alan Moore. I mean, but he's, 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 his, he's his own thing, and, you know, I don't know that there's any pleasing him, so, you know. There's not. That, <laughs> I mean, you know, there really is not, and I'll agree with that. But then we do talk about here we go. What, uh, if we, if we can turn now to the Susan Avalone oh. uh, story of the, the year. The lovely and talented Susan Avalone for the year. And, and the gateway drugs, because I looked around and like, what your staff takes were. Yeah. yeah, oh, okay. And just kind of just this couple minutes, we can just talk about, like, what's the recommendation for the future, yeah. not necessarily, you know, the past. We, we tend to enable gays here. You know, right. we looked back at last year, because that's what we thought, so. Well, Susan, um, this year, is sort of a, a, a sequel of sorts was uh, Are You My Mother, uh, which is the new Alison Bechdel book, the follow-up to Fun Home. And and, uh, and, and, and this quote Susan gave me um, was, uh, you know, that one of the reasons she liked it is because, again, it's, it's very metatextual in that, you know, she Alison published Fun Home, which is a memoir of her life growing up with her father and discovering he had a secret, you know, life and all that. And, and... This is a more contemporary book, which actually begins with her talking with her mother about writing Fun Home. And so for, for Susan, one of the things she's responded to most in comics, as someone who doesn't normally read comics and graphic novels, she likes, she really, the ones that are sort of by, you know, sort of writer-artists and that, that talk about the creative process have been the most interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, whether that's something like a serious polyp, which is... Uh, you know, yeah, and it's, well, it's essentially uh, about the, you know, the creative, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's about the creative, you know, you know, process of the, 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 the work, of, you know, the mind, the life of, of, of uh, the life of the mind and the artist and all that. Um, 
So that that was you know so yeah that was this year's uh, graphic novel. Okay, I need my mother by Alice and Becky. Yeah. Okay, and for those not you know I I shouldn't presume belovedness of this <laughs> podcast. Uh, Susan Reed won uh, despite being married to the owner of a burgeoning comic book empire. She reads one. Maybe two stories. May, is it kind of yeah, no, it's a couple. I, it was the joke I made the other day was still in negotiations about Saga. I'm talking about a gateway drug right now. I would like to transition. Yeah, but I'll also say that the other thing she's looking at, because she's gotten good recommendations, is um, I get, uh, uh, Andres Nielsen, is that his name? Uh, big Questions. Um, which I don't, uh, I don't know. Uh, it, it's uh, it's uh, uh, um, our friend Calvin. Read a publisher's weekly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was, was re- recommending that to her. Big question. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's the guy who did the, um, uh, I think when the, the comic came out, it was called Tuesday. It was about, uh, you know, walking the, you know, it was about 9-11 and, and like, walking the bridge from... Oh, no. From I, uh, I don't know that one either. Oh, it was, it was, it was, it, was, it, really, it came out, like, two issues, and then it was collected, I think, under something else. The comic was called, like, was Tuesday. And, I, you know, he, he's, like, a, he's a, he's an immigrant from some... Hmm. Country where people are named, you know, Nilsson, as opposed to Nelson. You know, oh, okay. an I and an E at the end. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay, so, this is good. I think we're... I don't know, I'm going to say Sweden is going to be Norway, or it's going to be, you know... Right, 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 right. Well, you know what, it is... This might be a fan of podcast. It's just not a fan of the that we have an event. It's some ethnicity and some completely... <laughs> Uh, so... Nilsson, Schmilsson. Okay, uh, so you just brought up Saga as they talk about a gateway drug right now, yeah. but... I don't know anybody who hasn't read that book who hasn't really, really gotten into it. It's, it's, it's been, you know, in terms of, again, retail optimism, it's kind of saying, I, I spent some time talking to Eric Stevenson and, and Robert Kirkman and, you know, really, you know, telling them how much I appreciated what they've been doing with Image mm-hmm. um, and Skybound and having books like Saga and Peace of Thieves and, um, you know, well, like, there is, like, a speculator aspect to it, Manhattan Project, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. The Secret, I mean, there's been good books that people want to read, and, you know, and, and they you know, um, and, and Saga, you know, I, they offered retailers an opportunity to, to order, order internally, and I kind of, you know, said, wow, if I could go back in time and order as many wide glass man number ones as I could, how many would I have ordered? So mm-hmm. I, I kind of took that number to this. And, you know, and, 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 you know, and, but even so, we probably sold out a couple issues here and there, and that's that second printing. But the great thing about it is, people, I thought, like, okay, we sold so many why we're going to sell a lot of Saga. A lot of people, this is a surprise to me, a lot of people who come in buying Saga never even read why. So now we're cycling them into why again, because they read Saga and they go, what else is like this? You know, and we'll, you know, and at least in terms of the writer, I mean, look, you're never going to go wrong with pretty much anything Brian Vaughn. If you like superheroes a little more, then, you know, pick up his, his um, you know, his Runaways. You know, mm-hmm. if, uh, yeah. if you just like the, the, the craft and the, the beauty of his writing, you know, it's like pick up something like, um, you know, Pride and Pride 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 You know, if you like the adventure, what's going to happen next aspect, you know, in the cliffhangers, you know, why the last man? You know, which is, you know, you know, and, and unfortunately with why, when it got to the end, you know, like Fable keep, and Walking Dead keep chugging along because they're continuing. So, mm-hmm. the, so the periodicals actually help sell the trades because the fact that it's an ongoing concern, people get really into it. Why, after issue 10, I'll say we did have a bit of, you know, there's a, you know, a couple years later, you're not selling as many, mm-hmm. you know, sets as you used to. 
because um, everybody catches up and, 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 mm-hmm. and, and, and stops. But what's great about, you know, what's been great about Saga is it's gotten people interested in, in, in why again. And, and why is one of my favorite books, so it's sort of like, wow. And, and I can't even put my finger on what it is about Saga that is just so compelling, except I feel like put, he's put every one word. Hazel. Oh, okay. <laughs> everything, in, everything in a blender, and it's like every. I cannot get a handle on what's actually going on. Are, are you pressing for time here? Is this no, no, I just. Don't know. Um, I will cover masterfully while you. <laughs> no. Uh, so you know what else are the other things you're looking forward to as far as the next year that you think people are going to get really into? Uh, speculate, but really, what, is a, what, what do you think is a good read coming on the? Well, right. one, one of the things that we're trying to figure out is how to get as many people excited about say something. Like, I mean, people are excited about Invincible. People read Invincible, but it's like one of those things of you know, how do you take you know, it's a, it's, it's such a great book, and it's not just a superhero book. It's like how do you take all the people say who love Walking Dead mm-hmm. and get them? Cause it's a very different book. It's a very different book. So you know, is there you know, is there a way to do that? Because I think you know, with Invincible 100 on the horizon, you know, trying to sort of prepare for that. I'm excited about all the Marvel stuff. Um, you know, uh, I think there's, um, you know, like I said, you know, Jonathan Hickman doing Avengers. You know, I mean, he he's he's so good at sort of cutting to the core. You know, what he did with Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. really trying to figure out how do you tell those stories based on those characters. You know, Avengers might be a little harder because you know everybody's got their own book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I think you know, I think Marvel has you know it's incumbent upon them to make a really you know uh, continue to make a strong Avengers book. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's 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 exciting. Um, you know, the Grant Morrison thing that's coming out from uh, Image. I mean, all the stuff with Image, where all these different you know creators that have you know been doing the. What is the Grant Morrison thing? Image. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm just going to get the painting called Smile or Happy or something. I mean, it's... it's <laughs> um, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> uh, I cannot afford to go to Morrison Con. Uh, yeah, I was, I, was, I was trying to milk that out as a birthday present or something, but I think it's just a place <laughs> too crazy. Well, it's, too, you know, it's a little too expensive. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, although, you know, it, it, now it's becoming like, is he like a, like a guru? Is it, uh, you right. know, we're all going to go and just... Uh, and he will blow our minds. And, yeah. And it will come out with a third eye and... and yeah. Well, would the Beatles be going there? If they were all, if they're all there, I think they might. <laughs> My Chemical Romance may show up. There you go. Um, the Modern Beatles. The Modern Beatles. Uh, yes. Broadway is freaking me out. I saw him at the at the, at the, at the Comic Con, and he like looks younger than when yeah. I first encountered him like five years ago. Yeah. Like, he's sucking on the soles of the sands or something. I don't know what's going on. You, you know, you know what got announced, and I don't know if this is a big like fan announcement, but it got mentioned at the at Dark Horse did a presentation at the uh, the Diamond Lunch, and uh, there's going to be an ongoing Star Wars series set during the classic uh, original three movie era with oh. Han and Leia and, and Luke. Huh. Well, you, you heard it here. Covered uh, by Alex Ross. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything. Covered by Alex Ross. I did see a headline yeah. about, about a new series with Alex Ross covered. And, okay. and the writer, is that, um, that might be, bro- I don't want to, Say that, is that going to be Brian Wood writing it too, or something? It, it was. It was. They mentioned Brian Wood a lot, so I could. I could be. I could be wrong about that. But um, but, but yeah. But the, but the, but you know. I mean, again, that's the, that's the kind of thing that you know. I think that series kind of um, kind you know kind of needs. Okay. 
Um, all right, so let's uh, come into movies. Uh, we'll just stick with the movie things real quick. Um, there's controversy today, by the way, that Rush Limbaugh has uh, uh, stated that uh, the Dark Knight Rises is a uh, left-wing conspiracy oh, because no. of Bane. Yes, I'm not kidding you. Because of the character Bane. Uh, well, that started because of I mean, cause, cause John Stewart made the joke the other night, which I didn't think oh, you I, I, I don't know how you know that. <laughs> I don't know how you know that far. Since uh, you are caught in this huge direct TV debacle. Uh, is, is, is direct TV is the problem? Yeah. Uh, I mean, not the problem, but it's having an issue and uh, no longer caring. Yeah, so, I I shouldn't laugh. I just I'm just I'm just glad that I live in a world of a cable provider that is kept Comedy Central. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's just not for but I feel like I I got to mention it because it was hilarious. Uh, in not even paying attention to the fact that Bane and Bane are spelled differently, uh, but that. That yes, Dark Knight Rises is all about taking down Mitt Romney, and that Christopher Nolan really, you know, thought that far ahead. Um, that Doug Manx thought that far ahead. Uh, 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 Chuck Dixon. Chuck Dixon. Chuck, very, Dixon, Chuck Dixon is very offended. This is the second time that Rush Limbaugh has labeled him a liberal, and oh, he's funny. very. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but let's talk about the Marvel slate because I want to see, yeah, yeah. you know, how that's uh, and that's really the big news out there. Uh, uh, even though I think almost all these things could have been could have been called, they were like more confirmations of things that have been rumored yeah. for a while. But titles, we didn't know this. And apparently, uh, Ed Brubaker heard first on a Twitter feed. Oh, I saw that. That, yeah. uh, that Captain America Two is uh, is called the Winter Soldier. So, uh, and there's also rumor that the Falcon will be in it. That they're looking at and an actor to play the Falcon. It's okay, we can make noise. It's all right. I think. Uh, <laughs> my God, you're playing like ninjas. <laughs> I just did it with a flash powder. A dust came through the room, and I don't know what happened. It that was a stereo. Ah, fresh from his appearance, the end of Amazing Spider-Man. So, uh, so. Captain America 2 is the Winter Soldier, already jumping to reviving, I would presume, reviving Bucky Barnes. Well, I think when we saw that shot, I mean, I think when we, you know, again, I think movies don't have the luxury of comics of, like, we're going to pick something up, we're going to pick something up 20 years later, later. <laughs> you know, or more. No, you're right. Uh, and that's so, what so, we, so if you want to Captain America 1 and, 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 and uh, James Buchanan, you know, falls off the train yes. into, you know, something, um, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a good bet, you know, bring him back, you know, and that they gave him that much, you know, screen time. And you know, look, the way they can set this up, too, is they can also give more, we can also start with another scene set in the past, or blah, blah, blah. Right. Which I, don't, I don't think we're going to see that guy become Captain I think we're going to see Captain America versus the Winter Soldier, as mm-hmm. opposed to, um, but we're going to see that as opposed to, um, I don't think it's going to be about setting up that guy becoming Captain America because I think they got to be invested in no, the heavens. I don't think we're going to... I don't think movies can afford to change stars, you know, in, in, in that. Well, you know, I, I was wondering, I made an observation that what we've seen is the alternates keep showing up really quickly. So that right. it's almost, it does feel almost like if the stars do balk or they run out and they can't renegotiate, then they've got somebody ready to step in who's... who's well, yeah, you do have that. that. I mean, you know... Yeah, so you have War Machine, James Rhodes. I doubt that, you know, I think Robert Downey Jr. is having way, way, way too much fun being the face of Marvel Comics yes. in movies to 
leave unless they push him. And I got to say, there was a the guy at Marvel Comics. I don't know if there was more than one, but there was a guy at Marvel the Marvel Comics suit that had playing Iron Man. And the way they do it is he's without the helmet. He's got the the, the Robert Downey Jr. You know, facial yeah. hair, and he had like aviator glasses, you know, slunk down to his, you know, the, the, yeah. the head looking over. And just in terms of like personality, he like totally nailed it. I mean, yeah. he walked by, and it was, you know, it wasn't just like a lookalike, it was he had the attitude. Yeah. I was very impressed. I saw him like later in one of the bars, and I'm like, dude, you just nailed it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we got it, so, yeah, we'll have But yeah, out. I mean, that's, you know, look, I, 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 I'm surprised they, they, can't, they brought Cap into, I mean, I guess for Avengers they had to, but I, 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 was always surprised that Captain America was the only World War II Cap movie. Um, you know, I know people have said, well, they did that big montage, so there is room in there to go back yeah, and do I, another Yeah, I wonder if people have said that, yes. Yeah. Um, but I don't think they'll do it. I, yeah, I don't, I don't think they want it. But they could, I mean, I wouldn't mind if they do figure out a way to do flashbacks or at least introductory, you know, be like a great short subject. You know, yeah. Just, you know, well, I think there's enough there was at least one uh, Easter egg uh, that still could be explored if they'd wanted to, which is uh, the Human Torch was there. Right, right, right. So, and, yeah. and, and, you yeah, know, the invaders, yeah. And the question is, could there be a little invader side story right. that I could understand, I could believe that that wasn't important to Captain America versus the Red Skull to Cap either. It's like, right. you know, I worked with these other heroes. Right. And the game all tied that in, you know. Right. I, there's a, on, my computer, on my iPhone now, uh, Captain America movie game with uh, right. Union Jack and right. Bucky and all the Howling Commandos and right. Nick Fury. So, um, but there really was no, I mean, that's the thing about Winter Soldier. There was a friend named James Buchanan, but there really was no Bucky in Captain right. America. Right, you know, and it's okay. It, it's, but they they certainly push that character to kids. The bucking cap is yeah. you can buy that on the superhero squad online. Right, right. And, you know, and, and it's a cool thing. And uh, even in the games, and my son loves that. It's like it's just what is that? I don't know why. So I like the name Bucky Cap for some reason. So, <laughs> <you know. laughs> and you talk about the Winter Soldier. I mean, and it is. I mean, what a great thing. You you've had that friend rivalry, and then they go head to head in the second. Oh, it's classic. Yeah, Hollywood storytelling. Right. So makes perfect sense. Then we get four. Probably the biggest mystery to me: the Dark World is Thor two. So well, I always remember there, there was a uh, that was it a Roy Thomas era. I mean, a, a great cover that's to Hella and back. But it was the Dark World. So could the Dark World be? You that's know, what be I a, think is that. Hell or a Valhalla type of. A I think world. there has to be there has to be an explanation. I did not, I figured Loki was just lost, you know, because Loki showed up at the end of Thor um, haunting uh, Skarsgård, or yeah. Skarsgård, uh, Skarsgård, Skarsgård's the American one, uh, American actor, uh, so, <laughs> Peter Skarsgård, that's not, he's yeah, not, not he's in Green Lantern, there's too many in your uh, but, that another, I, another slight at the, at the, at the, at the Nordic people. I'm sorry. Those of us who, had, who should have had a shot at olive skin because of our ethnicities <laughs> and still look pathetically Caucasian, uh, I'm tired of being confused with the, with the Nordics. Uh, so, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that, uh, that it's very clear from Avengers that they thought Loki was dead. So they have to have some explanation, and when you tie in with Thanos, and maybe this is being too geeky, this is the point where I have certain friends that say, you've gone too far. Uh, is that Thanos towards death and wishes to, to worship death, and there's got to be some, there's totally this tie into characters that have died. 
Bucky coming back. I know you don't want to call him that. So James Buchanan. Oh, no, I don't like calling him Bucky. James Buchanan, uh, uh, Barnes coming back from the dead in, uh, from Captain America. We saw him die, or at least for moviegoers, not, not necessarily right. knowing that kind of rule of you didn't see the body. We saw him fall. We saw him fall. We didn't see him die. But he returned. Uh, we've seen Loki return from the dead. Thor does have, in his mythos, a death figure. An underworld, yeah. And, and, and she's certainly more attractive than Thanos' death. Uh, so, you know, could we tie that in? The Dark World right. would, be the, would be the underworld, I think. Maybe an explanation of how a setup that should lead into why Thanos believes he can court an actual avatar of death. Mm-hmm. Is that where they're going, or is that going to make people too busy? I mean, it's all speculation here, but... But that's it. So I will assume Valhalla or Hela's world, whatever. There's, right. Because there's another. Uh, there's Valhalla for the heroes, and there's an underworld for those who just weren't that noble. What's interesting to me is, is in terms of calling Thor the Dark World, and I forget if we talked about this last year, but I. I the bizarre thing about the Thor movie to me was it was as much as it was a love letter to some of the Kirby Thor concepts. It was also melding the Kirby Thor with the fourth world. Yes. You know, where essentially they, they, they used Boo Boo. Oh, yes. Uh, and, and, and certainly there were... And the Sitari were parademons. I'm just going to go out yeah. and say that in yeah. Avengers. There's no question. Right, exactly. So there, there's certainly, you know, you, you know, with, you know, Josh Whedon, you know, sort of, you know, comes from as well um, in terms of, you know, I mean, again, he's a student of comics. I mean, he knows his stuff. Yeah. So people aren't making these, you know... Um, and again, it's a very interesting meta-textual postmodern thing to do, which would be well. The only reason why Kirby's mythology got divided is because it's because you know uh, he let, because he got pissed off at Stan Lee, yeah. you know. So uh, and if and if Jim Starlin is going to do Thanos as an homage to Darkseid, why don't we just go and mix it up? So the idea that you know what you're sort of saying is is there is there an attempt to sort of you know. Um, tie the Thor mythology into Thanos somehow and maybe Gila is the death he's courting. You know, is that, I mean... That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm saying. You know, sure. You know, I, I don't expect we're going to see a Gila who's going to be in a green, you know, bodysuit with all, like, you know, you know, with a Galactus Eternity type of spike right, design because right. I don't think it's very movie modern. So, you know, I think, um, you know, you go into a lot of things and it's, and it's, 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 you know, very bizarre every time you see these things and you go, wow, Marvel's getting Thanos to the screen before DC gets Darkseid to the screen. And, right, right. And then the, it's just, yeah. And, and people are going to say, Darkseid is a ripoff of Thanos. Thanos. Oh, jeez. <laughs> did, did you see that Jim Starlin put, like, his, his original concept art and Thanos was actually a ripoff of Metron? Like, he was in oh, the chair. Yeah, yeah. In the chair and he had the <laughs> design down his forehead. And yeah, oh, yeah. my gosh. And then it's bad enough. <laughs> so I was not ripping off that side. I was ripping off Metro. <laughs> and then I went ahead and ripped Eight off the other side. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Uh, and then uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. So that's one I noticed already uh, at Comic-Con, looking around, tripping over Annihilation copies all over the place on Saturday. And then Sunday, couldn't find any of the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, at least the first appearances of, of this modern Guardians of the Galaxy. So people oh. responded at Comic-Con immediately upon finding out that... And that's the strange one to me, because that's sort of like... You know, I mean, I could see... And I saw that episode of Avengers where they had the characters. 
Um, the idea of taking obscure characters and right. trying to create a movie. Is it just crazy Marvel hubris now at this point? I mean, that's a big. It is a big risk to yeah. take. Uh, who's the biggest person? I mean, you have the you have Drax is sort of tied. Drax and Gamera are tied into Thanos, sort of. I know, but nobody knew Thanos. I mean, right, right, right. Comic book fans, and I think most people, people from the Avengers don't know who Thanos is. Right, I mean, but it's more of the thing. If someone came in and you pitched you, okay, here's the movie. We got this fucking tree. We got this with a raccoon. raccoon with a raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> Does he live in the tree? No, no, no. It's not that kind of movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, look, you know, if there's a way to do it, I mean, I, I you know, I would almost suggest they, they do it as like a incredible style animation as opposed to, I mean, I don't, you know, I just, I, I just, well, I, think really part of the, I think a part of the presumption is uh, because it's very clearly in their slot, as they've got these production slots yeah. and these day stuff, that I'm making the presumption and no one has said otherwise that it's going to fit in their overall continuity. Yeah, but, I mean, it's, it's still expecting, I mean, I, I can't think of a comparison because I don't think anything is, exists, but I still think, think it's asking a lot of people to say, mm-hmm. to say, you love Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, now you're going to see a raccoon with a laser gun. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, 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 I don't see the leap you're making there, Carl. I, I, I don't. I don't think that. I don't think that the 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 spinoff mentality that might work to a certain extent in comics, and it doesn't even really work in comics all the all the time. Right, right. You know, like okay, you love these characters, and now we're going to give them. The, you know, I mean, again, Guardians of the Galaxy has been a tough push. You know, I mean, if they said something like Nova, you know, they were doing a Nova movie, I could say, okay, I could kind of. See that, and then you know you treat Nova like a Green Lantern. Well, movie, I think you introduce you, 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 Nova's like Green Lantern, and the Guardians of the Galaxy are like the Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> well, uh, the Guardians of the Universe. Talk. Oh, okay. Allow me to put my glasses back up on my forehead. Excuse me, but Mr. D'Angelo, you should know that when you're ready to have a serious conversation <laughs> about the Green Lantern, you have my email. Uh, so, so it's an onion headline which says, which says it. Um, did you see it as, as, as Guardians of the Galaxy is Marvel's kind of like, well, we're going to show you how Green Lantern should have been done. Right. Um, but you're right that Nova made more sense from that, except that Nova is... They've got a different voice going on with Nova that I don't okay. understand. I mean, there's that new kid on the, on the Spider-Man show um, that is right. Robert's a writer, and he's kind of a jerky team. And they're also doing, aren't, isn't that part of, like, the Infinite Comics thing? Yes. Which I haven't really kept yes. up with. right. So, um, so I see Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, it's interesting, but you do have the one human involved among the aliens, which is Peter Quill, Star-Lord. Right. And he's very clearly there in the production. Assuming that that production art they release is... You know that's where they're going to stay. Right. Those are the characters they're going to use. Um, yeah, you've got you've got the human, the human who, as far as I can tell from that from right. that series, was and I still think Guardians of the Galaxy was crazy to me that Star Lord was in regular Marvel continuity because no other story I had ever read of Star Lord. And strange enough, I had read all the Star Wars stories. Oh, the, yeah. Well, they were originally, I mean, Chris Claremont, John Burns, kind of like yeah. homage to Robert Heinlein's, yeah. taking Robert Heinlein-isms into superhero Yeah. And they were and, kind of cool. And they were totally separate, though. Yeah. I mean, it was like, you, I, yeah. I, I, I even, reading it as well, 2000 in the future. You know, I hate to keep bringing it back to this, but it's sort of like, 
you know, look at the number of creators that are going to get screwed by Guardians of the Galaxy. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because each of those characters, and again, based on what I know about, I mean, maybe they'll get a nice, you know, a, a tiny line of credit at the end of the movie, but here you've got five or six characters that have very distinct, you know, creations, um, and, you know, and, you know, you know, Chris Claremont for, I think it was Chris, or was someone else's, Chris Claremont Gumbler did a Star Wars story, but was that the first one, or was someone else the first um, one? I can't even the remember. The first one I read was actually uh, uh, Gene Colan art. So I don't know mm-hmm. if that was a... It might have been a Roy Thomas, Gene Colan... Uh, or the Black and White magazine. Yeah, yeah. Marvel premiere. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's that. I mean, Rocket Raccoon, I think, was a Bill you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, probably, I mean, I don't know, who, you know, again, and also sometimes Ramita, as art director, would design things, but, um, you know, but Bissema, through, I, was, I presume Sal Bissema was the artist on those Hulk issues. Oh, uh, was I yeah. Yeah. yeah I, so. I don't think Nova got sort of associated with it, but he did the covers. No, he did the covers later. Yeah. You know, uh, um, I mean, maybe, you know, who knows, maybe they think. Paul McCartney. Groot, I mean, you know, it's Lee Kirby, you know. Right. A, uh, no, no, Stan's taken care of, Stan's fine. Uh, uh, let's see who else, Gamera uh, and Starlin. Starlin, uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, there, that's, you know. I, seems happy, I've never heard Jim Starlin be upset with anything that's, uh, that's coming out. With it, so. Stur- you know, I don't know if he's like Stranko, I mean, Stur- well, Stranko sort of seems to make a fuss, and then not, so I don't know, I don't know if like Stranko works something else out. I don't know. If, I mean, but that that's the but that's the again. That's also the fact that there's some people who make you know. On one level, Marvel says, "Well, we don't have any reprint deals. We don't have any this deals. We don't have any those deals." But then, are there people who do have special deals or not? I mean, you know, I mean, Len Wein makes it very clear he makes more money from Lucius Fox than he does from you know yeah. Wolverine. But that was also the uh, I mean, that's the largesse of Paul Levin. So yeah. one of the things that I think the interesting to hear I, that I know that that was something right. that Paul Levitt fought for right. on that side. Uh, I, think I, was, I, I think I heard this on Fanboy Planet you? but you were talking about the um, you know how the the architects also sort of are getting get funded not by you know by, by being part of a movie consulting team mm-hmm. yeah. um, at Marvel so it's sort of like you're bringing in a brain trust that they're not getting paid for their comic book work but they're being paid by a movie studio to do two weeks of right. writing, think tanking, right. notes giving on, right. on the on the on the script. And well, uh, yeah, and Bendis has been, you know, and certainly one, and, and I think more power to them. I mean, yeah. the thing was, saying is like Mark Wade, if they do a Daredevil reboot, I want Mark Wade to be consulted. Right. And I want Mark to get some money for that. You get a taste of the Hollywood money. Right. Um, and rumor is that he may be going over to Hulk. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a guy, you know, and. I think Amazing Spider-Man, by the way, owes a huge debt, the movie, to Wade because there were a couple of moments. There was one line, one line in there that reminded me of the story you pointed out to me like two years ago in a podcast about uh, that Mark Wade wrote an Uncle Ben story. And I thought then that totally got to the heart of Uncle Ben and the conversation between Peter and Uncle Ben on his in, in his bedroom right. was like, now that's right out of Mark Wade's story. Wow. And that is, you know, when Peter says, no, you know what, Uncle Ben, you, you've been a good dad. Right. And it was like, yes, oh, that was that total, in yeah. that story, it was the only story I'd ever read that brought up that up as Ben's fear. 
Yeah. Very human. Very yeah. real. Yeah. Again, Mark Lee's one of those guys, I can't believe he doesn't have children, but he knows about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because he's clearly that how to be a good guy and how to be a good dad, and mm-hmm. that's something that goes through, right, you know, right. he's like, yeah, he should. So I'm just saying, Mr. Wade, reproduce. <laughs> uh, so, so, you know, I'd like you guys to get, you know, all get that money. So you're right, Garden Scout is going to be a, a thing. And then, we go to the last thing on there, Ant-Man, which was confirmed. And which said, I just saw a headline today, that Marvel has admitted that when Edgar Wright is ready, they will add a third slot in whatever year that is, because they they don't want to push it off any further. They want it to happen. They want that to, to go. But I didn't see the footage, and that doesn't seem to have leaked about his Ant-Man shrinking and growing. And my, my only concern is that when that movie comes out in the magazines, all we're going to have are Tim articles. I mean, because you could make a case for the incorrigible Ant-Man to the be irredeemable. The irredeemable. Sorry, is it the irredeemable Ant-Man? It yeah. was okay. Uh, I, and that was Scott Lang. And that was that, that was no, that was him. No, it was neither one. It was a third guy. Oh, it was a third guy. He was a Shield agent who was really bad at his job, and he stole. Oh, right, with right. the technology. That's what made him and, and he and he kind of like fell into he had to be a good guy because he saw the need but he was using the armor to get dates and you know all kinds of things was Kirkman station. Kirkman's biggest contribution to the Marvel Universe I think uh, along with lasting. Right. And well it, it kind of makes I mean you know it does make sense it could be that in the sense that, A, it's easier to tie it into the, you know, existing yeah. you know, con- movie continuity. It's a yeah. field guy. Yeah. Um, you know, they've, they've been careful not to have they mentioned, like, Hank Pym even just in passing or something. No. Rumor has it that Iron Man 3 will do it, but that's rumor. Right. You know, that's... Yeah. I mean, you know, but again, if they're, if they're coordinating it with, a, with an event, but if they are, then I would presume that person was going to be the Ant-Man then. Mm-hmm. Um, but they haven't, yeah. I mean, but you could also combine the thing. I think, you know, again, from a... Uh, from a Josh Whedon, Avengers point of view, I would think you'd want to hang Tim because you also want to set up, um, I mean, again, you have to have, you can't use your redeemable Ant-Man because it's, it's a third generation thing. It, you, if you're stealing the Ant-Man technology, it has to, you have to have Ant-Man first, don't you? Maybe. Um, but I, I would think having Hank Tim could be wrong on it and the other guy steals technology. True. And Hank Tim said, but say Hank Tim, and you want Hank Tim to set up Ultron. I mean, and then, of course, so many people have said that, you know, Ant-Man could have very well already been in the Avengers. We just didn't see him. Oh. So. That's worse than mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's not mine, though. I didn't say. No, that joke's been going around for a couple of months. You said it at arm's length. Like, oh, okay. And on that note, before things really devolve, uh, we should say thank you for your time. Because, uh, you know, I just don't think there's anything like super, we're not super good about TV. Yeah, I wanted to keep it to comics because it's about a retailer optimism. Because Guardians of the Galaxy, you can turn around and you can sell copies of Annihilation, all those hardbacks yeah. that you have. Yeah. Um, and I, I actually kind of think they were fun stories. So. Very good stories. Yeah, a lot of people got excited about, uh, you know, got like back into Marvel because of those Annihilation books. Okay, so there you go. So. All right, well, we thank Carr for 2012 edition. Uh, let's hope we're all here for 2013. Uh, almost as long as the Eisner. Oh, gee. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been nominated yet. So, uh, 
we're bucking for a Hugo, though. So uh, that's what we're hoping for. We uh, thank you for your time, and we'll uh, we'll be back conversing in 2013. Though I hope we see each other long before yeah. then. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Carl. Bye bye. Well, that was exciting and interesting. I hope that you think so <laughs> after you actually listen to it. And uh, a generic <laughs> statement. I'm yes. sure there were plenty of insights. Wait a minute! I actually opened it. You know, pulled back the curtain and saw those. those pieces. Was there humor involved? There was humor involved. Excellent. I, I look I got forward it. to laughing heartily. Okay, let's hope uh, or laughing hardly. <laughs> uh, so uh, anyway, uh, so if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, please send us a, an email at editor at fanboyplanet dot com. I would also say if you enjoy this podcast. Uh, you know, I, I, I've come to this conclusion after spending a lot of money going down to Comic-Con that, you know, it ain't paying for itself. So just mention, you can go to www.fanboyplanet.com, where we are probably going to spend the next month updating our, uh, There's a lot of new our, stuff our, out there our, Comic-Con. our Comic-Con content, photos, articles, interviews. Uh, I did do the demo of the, um, Doctor Who, uh, t- uh Sonic Screwdriver Universal Remote. Is that so up there now? So I'm going to have a piece on that, and it'll be up here before I, I leave for vacation with my which kids. Which will beat this uh, podcast. Which will probably. So, that's so okay. it's up there now. Oh, so I guess it's up there now. Let's assume. Uh, and of course, and I think uh, Rick and I both agree, we have an article uh, coming that we discovered a company that may change the face of comics. It and, may very well change I, the I, face if not of, the of entire not body of, of comics. comics. No, and, and, and that is not an exaggeration. Yes. We are saying this is actually true. So um, listen to that. So go to the website, and if you can, there's a little button that says PayPal. I'm not asking for much. Just say a little bit to help cover the costs of running this podcast and running the website would be awesome. I know that there are much bigger problems in the world that probably deserve more attention and money, but you're listening just to this podcast. Just click the button, put, put something in there just so we can know it works. It, it, well, that would be nice. It dust it off. Dust, dust it, it off. off. It, it works on the internet, right? It is. The it buttons does. get dusty if you don't buttons, use them. Buttons, they get dusty blow and off smudge. the dust on your screen. Okay, and I don't want it to be smudged. So, uh, that's it. And uh, so, is this going out before or after the Nate, Nate cast? This will go out before the Nate cast. Okay, so the next podcast that will show up will be Nate Costa, who has been... Fantastic! You've been dude, listening to him. Dude was annoying. A lot. I mean, talking to a lot of people. Well, no, we were annoying. You and I were annoying people. But yes. but Nate is actually Nate makes friends. Nate makes friends. I don't know how he does it. I got to I got to study. Nate's his feet. got some great stories that we we talked about. And so uh, Nate's the next podcast will be Nate's interviews with comics professionals, and uh, a lot of people from Image, but a lot of people from DC as well. And the big K himself, Mr. Kirkman, Robert Kirkman, and I think that they're like that. If you can see that, my fingers are, they are crossed. They're kind of twisted together. And, I, I and think awkward. Embrace. I think they may have actually promised not to eat each other in the zombie apocalypse, which wow. is the highest, highest wow. oath that you can take at Comic Con. Really, that's so. Look forward to that, uh, that next week. Indian tear running. Down. And then, and then uh, in August we will we will be re- back to our regular podcast, and then we're going to we might be podcasting from a variety of undisclosed we're locations. Shake some stuff up, which we'll disclose at the appropriate time. Yes. So thanks for listening, and remember. Use your powers only for good. I like when you lead into it. <laughs> and thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.
Oh, you're you're still here. Good. Huh. Well, since you're here and I'm here, this is Rick Brett Snyder, podcast producer for Fanboy Planet. Uh, I just wanted to put a little suggestion out there. If you've enjoyed the podcasts, uh, we certainly appreciate that. We hope you'll uh, continue to download and enjoy our podcasts. But if you could, go to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you downloaded it and hit that button that says, I liked this podcast. And we're trying to grow our uh, readership. And you can help by telling others that you enjoyed this. So thanks ahead of time. And if you didn't like it, this is Chris Hardwick thanking you for listening to The Nerdist.